So, do you like podcasts? Do you like movie podcasts? Yes! 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 If so, check out All Things Film, a collection of the best film, TV and movie podcasts on the internet. Groovy. Film Rave. It was only a pound. The podcast on Fire Network, Daily Grindhouse, Mass, Movie Side, UK, and of course, Film Sploitation. What? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. What? Anyway, all the best podcasts, film and TV related, under one roof. That's all things film. Boys and girls, go back to your studies. Believe me, nothing in life is free. Well, oak and dread, Batman. All Things Film is 100% free. And you can find out more on iTunes. Search All Things Film or online. Allthingsfilm.thefilmpodcast.co.uk Oh, sorry, I think I must have pressed the wrong button. Is anyone left? Toto? I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. He went abroad to New York specifically to broaden his take on action, although it took four years between Gunman and his next movie. And he went into business with Jackie Chan for high-profile action with the star taken down a notch and asked to act. Plus, not so loving clashes, as opposed to the story on Gunman with said star. I'm Kenny B, with me is Tom KW, and this is the director's series 12 on Kirk Wong's Taking Manhattan and Crime Story. Welcome, as we said, to Director Series 12 on Kirk Wong and the movies Taking Manhattan, which is one of those not-so-talked-about movies, and Crime Story, which is quite a talked-about movie, obviously being a big Jackie Chan vehicle for for our Kirk Wong here. So it's uh, almost at the tail end of uh, of the coverage here, as this is a short coverage, even though we take our sweet time doing it. So... Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't remember, really. Were you, like, up to this point, Tom... Uh, super familiar with each and every of the movie we've covered so far or was it like two or three movies you you hadn't haven't hadn't seen had not seen yeah no it was two or three it seems like constant was every other one uh has been a new experience for me and taking my hand definitely was a new experience for me uh but very familiar with with crime story over the years um but yeah it's just it's just surprises really surprises and just going back and rewatching has also kind of made me enjoy the film even more gunman was a an example of that i enjoyed it but i think second time revisiting it uh really held it well for me very, very kick-ass and it's uh, like uh it's it's so surreal to think that uh, Lifeline Express is also part of this filmography. It just we, doesn't we, make I, sense, no. Which I love. Sense. I love Lifeline Express. I think it's a wonderful movie, but it's very bizarre. And here Kirk is uh, reunited with uh, Ken Cheng again after Lifeline Express uh, 10 years later. So, uh, But uh, we'll talk of uh, all this, but first off... Uh, a little contact information section. This is the director series on the podcast on Fire Network. 
podcastonfire.com is the website for all the shows and bonus episodes. Email for feedback if you have any of it. Podcastonfire at googlemail.com. Also, join us over at Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash POF Network is the page that you can click like on, for instance, and increase our likes, but also check updates and uh, general interaction. But the greater interaction in terms of uh, intensity, frequency, quantity uh, occurs in the Facebook uh, discussion group. And you can reach that by clicking the link on the page I just said or type in Podcast on Fire Network in the Facebook search box. And uh, welcome in and uh, have fun. And uh, it seems like uh, we have a good, uh, ever so slightly, we our uh, the people, the fans, increase, which I uh, which I like, which is logical logical for us because we are not this big, big, big show and big, big network. It's a more slow building fan base. Mm-hmm. But the ones we do mm-hmm. get uh, are quite uh, dedicated. And uh, and even if you are on there and just reading and uh, or just listening or taking in podcast on fire or the network in any way, we're very very thankful. It's uh, always mind-blowing that someone listens uh, at all and uh, takes something away from this because we work mm. from within our little bubble here and we can we never do. see we can never see the external perspective. We can never how much we try. We can't. So it's mm. uh, it's always uh, gratifying uh, comments and activity on there in the group and uh, so thank you and uh, yeah, over at Twitter, we have uh, some interaction over there as well. Twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. I do my writing over at sogoodreviews.com and video reviewing at sleazykvideo.com. Have reviewed both movies because uh, I wanted to cover Kirk Wong's movies. Um, I felt that strongly about him as a writer as well. So I covered uh, them all at some point, either in quick takes uh, or only big reviews. I don't remember now. The Club, I think, was a smaller review as well as Lifeline Experience. But uh, we have once I think I've covered uh, uh, as good as I can. Uh, Twitter.com forward slash so good reviews is my uh, Twitter account. So follow me over there. The director series is available on iTunes. And if you want to subscribe to us that way, uh, uh, you uh, can. And uh, you can also, if you like the show, leave a star rating if uh, you liked it, even disliked it. And leave a written comment, a sentence or two, which is enough for a review and something we would very much appreciate if you do. And uh, to those uh, who have so far? Thank you very much. Mm. And uh, if you don't down- like downloading a podcast to your device, there's an option to stream them via the application Stitcher. Stitcher Radio is available online, of course, uh, but the smoothest way to listen to us is via the application available to your iPhone, iPad, or Android. And once you're in there, type in, for instance, the director series to search us, and uh, the option is obviously there to add us to your favorites as well. So, thank you very much for your support uh, over there. Uh, we won't pressure you into writing a ton uh, over at vcinemashow.com this year, just to make up for the reviews you didn't write last year, Tom, but you do have a review <laughs> archive over there. So, is there any updates, or do you, do you just want to say I'm one of the very many talented writers over at vcinemashow.com I'm one of the many talented writers at vcinemashow.com there you go no self-loathing good man good man I respect that I'm no good you know you're good man I I fucking rock man I'm the best I'm the best at vcinemashow well Tom don't get ahead of ourselves of yourself but um your review archive is there. Uh, do do you so, have anything uh, in, in the pipeline? Uh, anything, yeah, uh... there's one. There's one coming out uh, hopefully soon. Um, that's, that's sitting there waiting. Um, yes, I I hope you enjoy it when it lands. 
and I'm pretty when sure to make drops, it aware when, right drops, drop. when when my new LP drops. Uh, I'll make sure to let our pop, you know, fans know in the group, and I'll it'll be there waiting when it does land. Right, right on. Uh, okay, here's the rundown for the episode, uh, the segments that will follow, if you will. And I only mentioned them for the sake of uh, information, obviously, so you know what to look forward to. But you can also look in the show post or show description for the timestamps detailing when each segment starts. So in case you want to jump ahead to uh, a particular segment that is detailed in the show post or description. So first, we'll be talking about Taking Manhattan, a little bit of background on Hong Kong movies abroad, as well as uh, we'll be doing a biography on actress Carrie M, which will be followed by our review slash discussion of Taking Manhattan. There will be a little break and some background after the break will follow on the real case crime story is based on. And this will include spoilers, uh, uh, so we'll say that then but you'll know that now as well that because we will discuss how the real case played out obviously that means we'll be spoiling the movie as well so in this case uh, be warned and if you don't want to have the movie spoiled watch it come back and listen to us and uh, hopefully you will come back anyway so uh, uh, hopefully, you'll, you'll, hopefully you'll say sometimes I'm the kind of viewer sometimes that I don't really care about spoilers even for movies I'd like to watch so I've listened to podcasts that uh, talked about the endings and what have you, but not necessarily for movies akin to that have like super twists that make your hair stand up or anything. You know what I mean? It's uh, that, yeah. you know, if, you don't mind if romantic comedies are spoiled. Obviously. Is, is what you're saying, basically. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah, you're... <laughs> like Charlie and Choi does an axe murder. You can change at the end of a romantic comedy or anything. I know that won't happen. You, know, it would be... you, you, you would just watch that to, to see, to see it can get in, I love Ekin of the latter years rather than uh, the feel 100% young and dangerous years. Uh, so, yeah, you know, watch a movie like It Had to Be You, which is a very, uh, I mentioned it a bunch of times in the past here on the show. Uh, I love that. It was a very good romantic comedy with an older Ekin and um, a, a good pairing up with a younger actress, which is uh, not something you can say about various Jackie Chan movies. <laughs> Mm, no, it's <laughs> like, true, it's I'm true, 40 true. years old. I'm dating an 18 year old in this movie. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, he's gr- he, he's grown, man. He's he's grown up definitely in the last few years. As, you know, I, it still happened kind of in Chinju coincidence. <laughs> so, yeah. so whatever, I, I like I like that. <laughs> uh, that's not the topic of discussion, even when we reach a crime story. Uh, but uh, after the background on the case, as we said, that will include spoilers. Uh, there will be talk of uh, the other movie based on the same crime released the same year, and we cap it with our crime story review slash discussion. And when I say talk of the other movie, it's um. It's a quick mention of it rather than a big review. So uh, the focus is on crime story. But first of all, Taking Manhattan from 1992, a movie that I don't think uh, many people know of. It's uh, kind of buried and uh, deservedly or not, I'll, I suppose you'll find out in a while. A plot from my review of the film, New York City Cop Chung. I think it's a Hong Kong cop originally, but uh, he is based in New York. Culture mm. and he's played by actor Loi Chi Yin, who has a Mark Cheng quality about him, which is not a bad thing. It's like, yeah, looks True. like Mark Cheng. I think Mark Cheng could have done well in this role. So hey, there you go. I like <laughs> Cheng. Uh, his he, only his only uh, Hong Kong cinema appearance, I think, as well. Yeah, I think so. Which begs the question of that this was an American-born uh, Chinese actor, possibly. Yeah. 
Uh, but yep. uh, we will never know, I suppose. He is nearly killed in a bombing that takes out three of his fellow officers, and he is left without a job. At the same time, his wife, played by Carrie Um, is not coping well with the move from Hong Kong to America. They're further divided when he reluctantly accepts an undercover assignment headed by his uh, his female superior, Helen, played by Elena Adena or Adena, I don't know how, how to pronounce that name, uh, Western actress. Uh, plan is to make friends with drug dealer Chen, played by Andrew Chen, a high aspiring gangster who takes Chung under his wing. Spiral of lies and death lies ahead. <laughs> yeah, I Sometimes I do, I can't write plots or summaries. Yep. And everyone has just stopped listening to the podcast to go and watch the film after that. That's <laughs> <laughs> the Spiral of Lies and Death. I've got to see this film. That's unique. <laughs> spiral of Death and Lies. <laughs> so a little bit of background on the film. Reportedly filmed in 1990, but released in 1992. And um, in the whole scheme of things, it's safe to say uh, Hong Kong filmmakers have taken their act on the road uh, a number of times. You have the obvious field trip in the form of Bruce Lee's Way of the Dragon that's shot in Rome, in Hong Kong and in Rome. Mm. Uh, but the other examples include Um Siyun's Kidnap in Rome, a quite an enjoyable little, uh, who the hell is in that? Is it Bruce Lai? Possibly. It's not a, a Bruce exploitation movie. Uh, and it features a, a, like a 12 year old looking Mang Hoi. Um, uh, very recognizable and very uh, apt at action at that time and uh, uh, featuring a lot of bumbling Italian uh, detectives dubbed in Mandarin. <laughs> so, but it's a fun one. I like kidnapping Rome. Uh, another obvious one is uh, Mabel Jones' uh, classic New York set romance and Autumn's Tale. And, and a lot of these examples are actually New York-based uh, Hong Kong movies. There's an mm. Alan Tang action called New York Chinatown. And uh, I very much like, and also a, a significant part of a better, better tomorrow too. Yeah, was also yeah. shot in New York. Yeah. Well, Rumble so, in the Bronx as well, which was shot in Vancouver. I'm, I'm in the Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> Amidst the mountains of New, <laughs> the mountains of New York. Yeah. yeah. But 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 I'm thinking like mm. probably Canada. Obviously, there are movies that have been shot in Canada, like uh, and they made uh, plots about them emigrating and what have you. Uh, one of the it's a man. Well, it's, it's the tax credits, isn't it? To, to shoot I, Canada, I suppose there is an advantage to go to Vancouver, and obviously New York seems to be a friendly place for Hong Kong filmmakers because it's not like they all went in there, shot their movies, so, you know, under under the government radar and went away. Obviously, taking Manhattan, we we kind of discussed this, thinking like hmm, maybe the subway scene at the end is uh, done mm. without a permit i don't think so they had to you know the mad the chaos that they had going on there in the subway needed to have you obviously uh, permits or what have you so mm. uh, so i think new york is uh, quite a quite a friendly town to hong kong filmmakers in that regard uh, and the rome as well at least on, on two occasions and what have you so so uh wong as we said kirk that is leinster taking manhattan and the big apple with a mixed hong kong and international uh, talent and i say mixed because uh you know, most often in mentioned uh, productions, uh, he, he has like the advantage of taking Manhattan. Uh, the hired Westerners in most Hong Kong movies, be it in extras in uh, or in dialogue parts, are normally regular Joes plucked from the streets or talentless mm. anyway. Uh, but uh, when I once did like a little bit of research on the various cast in taking Manhattan, uh, there, there was obviously some US TV uh, appearances for some yeah. of the Western personnel involved. Uh, so, so we're not uh, 
uh, we're not talking like uh, plucked from Chungking, Ex- uh, not Chungking Express, Chungking Mansions type of uh, casting yeah, yeah. in Hong Kong. But here they kind of brought in some some actors to bring a little bit of gravitas, if you will, mm-hmm. and 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 it kind of shows that uh, that uh, there is a little bit more knowledge uh, here. Uh, so. Uh, so, sometimes uh, we have to put up with a, a, a few Western actors. Like here, it's the whole film. <laughs> it's the whole film, but they, it's they're not that bad in this. I don't think. No, no, I don't think they, it. It looks solid, and uh, one of them's yeah. got great big boobs as well. So that's uh, yes. that's solid. <laughs> uh, but we're not talking like. Uh, uh, co-production status akin to what we saw in the new millennium when uh, Sony or Columbia spent a lot of money uh, doing co-productions with Asia. We got movies like uh, the Taiwanese movie Double Vision with uh, Tony Lungafai and David Morse, which uh, worked out very well. It's, it's, it's not like they are uh, crapping without direction in those movies. You know, They were, were very well immersed and the same program gave us some movies like Big Shots Funeral that coast on mm. Old Sutherland. And uh, Michael Bean appeared in Dragon Squad. Uh, the, uh, I don't know who else was in that. Uh, uh, that, um, that was that someone? Was someone was in it, yeah. Andy on, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Daniel Lee directed Dragon Squad. I never saw it, yeah. but uh, Michael, no. Michael Bean, obviously. Yeah. Big, big name, Terminator. Uh, yeah. you know, what have you. Uh, so that's uh, that's uh, you know the difference in co-productions and uh, how Western actors are immersed in Hong Kong movies. This time it's uh, a bit different than than a Better Tomorrow 2, for instance. You know, this fucking fried rice stinks. Dogs. Louis Roth, you know, rest in peace, Louis Roth. That was a brilliant little scene, but uh, that was done in Hong Kong, I believe. It has to so, be remembered for something. That's that's a classic scene. I I love it. I mean, it's uh, it's one of those scenes where. They, they won't stop. They, they'll, they'll just keep on doing it and doing it and doing it. And uh, no no one cares of if this sounds bad or not. And I love it. <laughs> just that ethic, that life ethic is just, just the best. I feel sorry with my rights. If you have any dignity, apologize for my rights right now. Fuck you. Oh God, God! I can do a good Lewis Roth as dubbed. I don't think that's Lewis Roth's voice, but uh, I can't do a chime. That's uh, slightly. It's, it's so good for all the wrong reasons. I know. <laughs> and no one talks of that. Everybody needs to single out Dean Sheck or what have you. But fuck you! I mean, that's uh, you know, chime fats. No. Not necessarily good either. That movie. No, <laughs> no one's fucking good. <laughs> so, uh, but, but anyway, uh, let's uh, talk of uh, one actress uh, that is in uh, Taking Manhattan that we very much recognize. Carrie mm, from Naked Killer and uh, what have you. An actress associated with Category 3, but she never did any nudity. Um, and apparently at one point, a television makeup artist told Carrie that she'd never be able to be attractive, no matter how much work they'd put into her. Out, out, and fuck you. Ouch. You know, that's a... Ah, that, you, don't, you don't say that to a young girl either, you know, because presumably this was early on in her career, so that, that's harsh. No, fuck you, makeup lady, or makeup guy, or whoever did that. Did say that, but uh, you whoever know, screw you, are, you yeah. screw you, who got the acting <laughs> award later on in, in her life, you know, so... Uh, uh, it's it's ironic, yeah, obviously, since she did became sort of a sex symbol and a symbol of glamour working in the busy mm. 80s and 90s Hong Kong cinema, as well as appearing in 20 TV series or more. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, work ethic like you read about, you know. 
Mm. Uh, winner of multiple acting awards in Hong Kong and Taiwan. Uh, this um, actress was born in Hong Kong in 1963 and submitted, like many do, an application to the TVB, which is um, the training program, which is the Hong Kong's largest uh, television network uh, slash studio, at least at the time. Uh, she got accepted into the training program and uh, she was merely one of the 30 that got in. So uh, not just anyone could uh, could get in. Which is kind of great if you look back on the story of uh, Chai, in fact, that both he and Ringo Lam got into the training program. Ringo mm-hmm. Lam actually never got to act at all and became a director, just felt like directing, obviously. But uh, they both got in, both Ringo and uh, Chai, in fact. And, it's a shame and, that is, because I think Ringo Lam's always, he's got that kind of bad guy look about him, which would, which would have been awesome like, if he had got into acting. You could yeah. play a toughie. You could play a toughie, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And after accepting this uh, uh, her position in this training program, she abandoned school in the process, which is, was something that didn't sit well with uh, her father and mother. But um, rather, it didn't sit well with her father. But her mother was open to her daughter's dream. But you know, had the straight talk that uh, obviously, if this doesn't work for you, you'll return to school the following year, which is a, a good attitude from a parent and what have you. She uh, did graduate from TVB and was put into rotation as part of the TVB roster. And it was not a well-paid job that, uh, and it didn't mean uh, super, you know, high exposure or anything. It was minimal exposure, you know, uh, be, be put into uh, places here and there, you know, little, ex- uh, little little roles here and there. But she put her time in. She gradually got more and more speaking parts and eventually got into film. Her third credit, playing Chai Fat's girlfriend in Ringo Lam's seminal City on Fire. I didn't even recognize the connection because I I, I started talking Ringo Lam and Chai Fat kind of out of, out of the out of the blue, but, but yeah. I just realized like, hey, City on Fire, yeah. all makes sense. Uh, her appearance in City on Fire got her her a Best Supporting Actress award at the Hong Kong Film Awards, and the 24-year-old actress left TVB at this point to fully pursue film. She appeared in Kirk Wong's Gunman. I, I've forgotten about that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a result, yeah, all over the place. Yeah, so I mean, she, she was a very much a working actress. So um, she appeared in Kirk Wong's Gunman in 1988 and uh, worked steadily. And uh, it was uh, really the 1990 prison drama, the first time is the last time that uh, got her a, a big old, uh, you know, qu- quite great critical acclaim still and also her next nomination in hong kong is a really good role i mean the cover you see andy lau but andy lau is more of a supporting actor and uh, it's a uh, carrie um's uh, movie and really the ladies movie um that uh, prison movie so uh mm-hmm. andy lau is more of a supporting actor but a very good film the first time is the last time and she really mm-hmm. refused to be typecast as well and the, the filmography if you look at it is quite diverse with both glamorous, sexy, comedic, and even plain roles, if you will, like makeup-less roles, uh, and mm. and say that because obviously there are makeup-less roles, but you, the like the enduring image of Carrie is this, you know, the full red lips, totally glamorous, wonderfully dressed, and mm. and, and a dangerous aura as well, depending on the movie you watch, like Naked Killer, obviously. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we'll be talking about iconic, ones. iconic beauty, especially with with sitting on fire as well. Definitely, she she was very like glamorous despite being very young. Uh, I mean, mm. 24, yeah, but she was very young, uh, so she she looked apart and uh, really was good. Good crier too. Yep, yep. Oh, I'm 24. I want to play a sexy part in a Italian film. <laughs> and she did. Uh, she did uh, get to appear seemingly uh, naked in shower in the shower with Chow. 
you know. Oh yeah. Oh, but, uh, even more just yeah, <laughs> even more jealous. Yeah. <laughs> um. So when the booming category free trend happened in the nineties, she was a quite a firm but clothed presence in that um, in that uh, trend of exploitation movies. Carrie had a small role in Sex and Zen as the mama son of the brothel Amy Yip en- en- enrolls in later in the film. But Naked Killer is where Carrie's global exposure um, is and uh, her, where her reputation kind of got cemented as the rival assassin of Ching Miao's character who cuts off men's penises. Mm, yep. uh, also use this uh, at the beginning of the film. You don't know it's her. No, no, it's her assistant, I believe. But in the beginning of the film, she and her assistant like uh, cooperates, and her assistant like slams two uh, weight handlebars together and s- smashes a guy's head with them, and you get blood uh, on on the camera. It was a very good opening for Naked Killer. So uh, you know, know what you're in for. <laughs> exactly. Uh, knowing Basic Instinct was successful at the time of Naked Killer's um, uh, making. Uh, creation production she she didn't hesitate and was even quoted saying she liked the primitive aggression of sharon stone's character and the challenge to portray such a character she won her first best supporting actress award in taiwan for clarence fox remains of a woman and it was always inspiring to see these adult films i mean i'm talking personally here that weren't all about porn necessarily but but mm. dark and violent and erotic films it was inspiring to see them getting lifted into the spotlight and respected mm. and, um, no wonder uh, taiwan acknowledged her because it was more of a success over there remains of woman it was not uh, a success in hong kong at all that the clarence fock movie and clarence fock is of course the uh, director of naked killer which means uh, remains of woman is quite a visual uh, splendid film but also um you know, it's a dark film and um, not um, over-stylized, uh, but rather gritty and quite violent and uh, decadent. You know, there's a lot of drug usage in that movie and just mm. primal aggression and what have you. But uh, she's really good. Uh, as much of a surprise uh, to insiders in the industry it was that this award was given out to a category-free movie. It was the carry as well who actually broke down in tears at the award ceremony in a, and in a very sweet moment uh, afterwards as she talked to. to reporters she said quote it represents 12 years of my undying effort so they oh. such a sweet story mm-hmm. and and they definitely deserved i mean when you look at when anthony wong got the best supporting uh, best actor award for the untold story uh, mm. i mean it's good and it but i don't think it was um, you know a breakthrough or anything it's one of those like uh, let's give it to a category free movie and anthony mm, yeah. has said that as well that it was just politics man i mean i said thank you but that was not necessarily like the role I desperately wanted an award for, and I don't mm. want an award for anything really. He's, uh, you know, he's fine as uh, where he is, you know. Yeah, it seems in this, in the, with with Carrie, it seems in that, um, in that instant, it was quite an honest thing they were doing by doing that. It was, there was, it was for a real reason. But yeah, with Anthony, it seems more of a kind of a. Uh, kind of trying to copy that success or copy that to try and get the respect of giving it to a category film again. Yeah. Rather than kind of you know, you know, not saying he's bad, but yeah, then kind of praising him for his for his acting. It's, it was really about the politics of it. Mm. I think he would have wanted it for uh, Taxi Hunter instead, which yeah. is uh, what yeah, I'd, I'd, prefer, I'd prefer Taxi Hunter. I, I do as well. I do as well. Yeah. Uh, back to Kerry, she was a continually working actress in the nineties, appearing in every conceivable, actually a cheapy and also award-winning movie, like movies like Hero Dream, uh, with uh, the chin, with chins. Oh, uh, we've we've talked about this before. Yes. 
stars uh, the chins, uh, Chin Kalok and uh, Chin Siho brothers. Uh, it's shot in Thailand and it, and it features scenes with Thai ladyboys. Uh, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but this is an exploitation movie that uh, shows the sights of uh, Thailand, and including that. And uh, I think Carrie Um plays uh, the girlfriend or wife of one of the characters and possibly never appears in the Thai footage. Uh, or rather the footage shot in Thailand very low budget action movie and it's kind of enjoyable because it's uh, quite um, cheap and uh, mm. and kind of desperate and uh, but there you go she also appeared smell in... the desperation yes exactly. <laughs> but um, and the chin pairing is not uh, a, you know a super dream come true or anything I remember there's a scene in Hero Dream uh, where I think it's the ending, and there's a lot of shooting and a lot of uh, henchmen that needs to fall down on the queue. Obviously, everyone everyone is shot at the same time, and boy, do they fall over in queue, on queue. It's like a very like one, two, three, fall. Ah! You know, it's not <laughs> it, it's not John John Woo naturalism in that regard, where it's like, oh yeah, he shot twenty guys at the same time. It's like fall down, good, cut, move it on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, she also appeared in the multiple award-winning Selavi Moncherry by Derek Yee. So um, there, there you go. The mixture of uh, award-winning, uh, award-winning efforts and cheapies, and going where the work is. Obviously, she had that attitude yep. as well. It seemed like in a way, uh, because she had to. I mean, Hong Kong cinema had reached a peak and was declining during the 90s, and especially at the end of it. But it was with Jacob Chung's The Kid from 1999 that Carrie got her first. Uh, Hong Kong, uh, her second Hong Kong film award, rather. Now that I think of it, let's just cut for a moment and check our research. Did she and, and check if she really won for City on Fire or was merely nominated? So that's a cut. So welcome back. A little bit of a fault there in the uh, in the uh, in the research, but uh, she won her second <laughs> Hong Kong film award. <laughs> uh, she won her first um... for City on Fire, but the kid got her her. The second Hong Kong Film Award for Best Supporting Actress. And with no makeup or glamour to be found in that role, she mm. donned the plain woman look incredibly well. I mean, she looks so much older, and that's not saying that she looks horrible without makeup. It's just uh, no makeup and a good costume design. And uh, she played this, you know, uh, single, possibly widowed. Uh, mother and uh, poor mother as well and sh- her chemistry with uh, Dick Long as this police officer uh, and, and their kind of uh, drama is about no one no one out of those two is brave enough to share their emotions with each other that chemistry is so incredibly strong it's a supporting uh, store strand in the movie that primarily deals with uh, Leslie Chung and his kid and um, and the mother obviously of that kid uh, so uh, mm. the kid is uh, highly recommended, an excellent Hong Kong uh, film from the end of the nineties. Uh, Carrie mm. has slowed down considerably in terms of film work, but have appearances during the last few years in movies like High Fidelity, which is not H I G H, no, not H I G H, but uh, Hello Fidelity, Hi Fidelity. Uh, Clever. Yes, I haven't seen this. I don't know if it's any good or not. No. Uh, I know it's out there. She was also in 2012's The Silent War by Alan Mack and Felix Chong. That would be the co-director of uh, Infernal Affairs and yeah. uh, and the writing team, really. Both of them wrote the Infernal Affairs trilogy, uh, two integral parts of that uh, series. Uh, so that's... Have you seen that, Ken? No, I'm not. I mean, it's me. Me and current movies don't really. Um, I, I may catch up on some, but uh, that's not one where. Uh, I don't think neither has this big, big, big rep or anything. But that may no. mean both are really good. I'd watch it just for just for Tony. 
Sure, sure, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, any spontaneous thoughts on Carrie? Yeah, she's she's um, she's definitely kind of uh, her look and just just kind of her presence was definitely kind of made for for, for that role. Uh, you know, iconic beauty, as I said, in in, in City on Fire. She did um, worked a lot with Clowns Fock. I think she did three films with uh, Clowns Fock, yeah. maybe more, just all after each other. Yeah, um, one of them is Black Panther Warriors, which is a legendary movie. Not necessarily because it's really good. It's uh, the problem with it is that it's. Um, it's a very wild movie, visually, visually wild and super comedic and gorgeously costumed, which is not a bad thing, but has some of the worst subtitles ever for a Hong Kong movie. Um, and, and you'd think that when they typed those subtitles up for the DVD, that they maybe improved them just ever so slightly when they saw, a, <laughs> saw an error. No, no, no. Every <laughs> error from the original Black Panther Warriors subtitles is there and I, I think it was just due to the subtitlers probably working with sound only when they first subtitled that mm. movie you know could you you could you couldn't make sense of it on on audio level and pr- not on a visual level level either but I, I have to say it's a lot of fun to watch uh, Clarence Fox um, kind of visual mind just spiral out of control mm. and a mm. lot of known Hong Kong actors acting like loonies yes. <laughs> you got Simon Yam in there Tony Longafi I play think I play think plays a variation of the city hunter role and mm. then you got Bridget Lin in there, Carrie Um and uh, Dickie Chung uh, sucking on a fucking pacifier throughout the movie for some reason that's like when he has it in his mouth <laughs> I don't know what it was about yeah, incoherent thing. Uh... when he has it in his mouth I think he's like sharp and when he does it it's a <laughs> drooling fool or something like that I fucking hate Dickie Chung so. Oh god! <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's exactly how that. So exactly how I feel about Gun Love as well. Like it's just a, it's probably my favorite of the, the collaborations between them, and it's just such a, a strange, just magnificent mess of just kind of things just happening for no reason. Um, it's it's a great film, some great film. Um, lots of just going on. It just kind of clowns for just going kind of you know 80 miles per hour uh, in, the, in the directorial. Yeah, uh, but I also did, I mean, another uh, Ski Tiger and Fade Dragon as well is uh, another favourite of mine with with her. But yeah, she's she's she she got slam dunks all throughout, and she switched it up and she did cat three stuff, and she also did kind of you know silly goofy stuff, um, as you said. And I think she'll come upon this series again because she's in Rock and Roll Cop. Watching, watching. Okay. Yeah, I, I think, think so. Not yeah, so a huge problem. role, if so. Uh, but definitely, no, I don't think remember. She makes a little was a uh, long ass time since I watched uh, Rock and Roll Cop. So. Yeah. So yes, yeah, she's uh, again, yeah, just a consistent, very consistent uh, body of work uh, in all genres. So that a different flavor for 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 everyone, <laughs> whatever your flavor is. There's there's a, there's a carrying. Uh, role for you. So we're at the review of Taking Manhattan and. Uh, Let's uh, hear your first brief opinion, Tom, of taking Manhattan and uh, include them in there somewhere if this was a first watch or not. Yep, first watch. Yep. Um, very. I, I mean, I can't. I can't help but like this film. Um, <laughs> I can. I can clearly see the and uh, clearly see the problems with it. Um, but there's just so much, so much of it that kind of clicks for me. Uh, it's very, it's very silly at times, but at 80 minutes, it's just kind of, it's just breezy. I was, I was, I was thinking the absolute worst, kind of speaking to you and just reading about it, and but I was always very intrigued to see it, and I sat down with it, and it was, it was, it was good, not great, but it's, 
it's just too fast to even kind of even kind of moan about it. Yeah, yeah, it's not like I crapped on the movie before, and listeners, I I said to Tom that you know, don't expect like this gunman crime story masterpiece. I mean, it's yep. uh, it, what it is. For my brief opinion, is a decent B actioner that's yep. not up to the level we've experienced so far with Kirk Wong in terms of action, but the experiment is fun. I.e., going to New York and shoot a movie. Um, and in English, partly, as we will discuss. And sometimes the action is quite decently brutal and primal as well, especially the ending, which I loved. I love oh, the yeah. ending. Yeah, it's, 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 um, just, I'm just saying, the, 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 it's a, com- it's a compromise, I think. The, um, the, the, actually, no, I'm reading the wrong notes there, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm just reading my crime story notes. Yeah, good chance, crime story. <laughs> wrong, story. <laughs> wrong notes. Uh, yeah, I just think it's the, the, the action, yeah, it's the action solid. It's just got this grit about it that's just really kind of there. Funny enough as well, we do have uh, the same scene in two different films today of someone falling through the air through money oh. in both films. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Uh, all righty. But as for me as well, I wasn't bored at all. Uh, no, it's a breezy no, film. Never, and uh, and uh, it's not terribly original, obviously. But at this time, it was kind of special. Once Hong Kong ventured outside uh, the action confines yeah. of Asia, um you know, they, they could go to different parts of Asia to shoot movies. That was common. But when they went, uh, you know, as uh, foreigners into a foreign land or what have you, into a different uh, climate to make a uh, movie, uh, movie, movie making climate, mm. that, that's kind of interesting. And, and it's not hard necessarily to catch the gritty New York of 89, 90. Uh, oh. but, but they do. And I think it's uh, great to see them. Uh, it's not documentary style footage, but the, the whole setup of uh, uh, the character of what was it, Ching or Chung? Uh, Chung, you know, working uh, you know the beat, and uh, you know we see the camera catching homeless and drug dealers and drug users and what have you. And that, that's kind of like that. That's a New York of yesteryear because we see all that mm. stuff in Times Square as well, which they always do shoot. Yeah, and and uh, it, it was before this famed uh, cleanup of Times Square, which was more sleazy than it, than it is now. You know, it was yep. more filled with prostitutes and drugs and maybe maybe sex shops and um, and porn cinema and what have you maybe um yeah yeah i mean as, as you say it's not it's not hard to kind of capture that greatness you just obviously uh, from that time period you just shoot new york and you, you've got it there like you, you've got a kind of a, a backbone to kind of set that yeah, grit it, on and it, I lo- it, it I is vibrant kind of, for a movie like this it's a it, it looks it looks good yeah it looks it looks really good there's a lot of um there's a lot of nice nice scenery a lot of kind of nice kind of um just shots of just so much in the picture at, at one time mm. um there's a nice moment like i i, I remember from when the um our leads walking around kind of with our our bad guy um and he's kind of walking through and as they walk underneath the tunnel like these kind of lights shine through as they're kind of walking just in front of them so obviously the sun i think the sun slightly sets possibly or the sun moves um uh, because it, yeah, just they're walking, it's not dead, and it just kind of like beads through. I don't know whether it was intentional or not, but it's just really kind of, it's really beautiful the way um, some scenes are kind of captured with just using the the weather and using the uh, you know the, the kind of the backdrop to its advantage, definitely. And speaking of capture, let's talk the audio for a little bit. Uh, normally, it's, it's not a whole lot to talk about, but. Uh, this movie was reportedly shot with a mixture of live Cantonese and live English. Obviously being a uh, movie with uh, Hong Kong people and uh, being in a strange land and uh, uh, with an English uh, speaking cast. Mm. Uh, But the thing is, we only have and will probably forever have merely a fully dubbed Cantonese track. Um, And and I mean, 
this wouldn't have been surprising or disappointing normally because when they in Hong Kong when they had movies with a lot of westerners as we, as we talked about the only track they ever did was a post dubbed Cantonese or Mandarin track and therefore had mm. the westerners uh, speak uh, speak the language and it was all dubbed but this was originally shot with a mixture of English and Chinese and that we don't hear anymore on uh, we, we never heard it on Hong Kong versions and I don't think there's ever been a version out there at best a VHS out there but it's definitely not in circulation um, so it's lost I mean it's uh, and the original audio is present there's a scene at this uh, wedding or a party where these uh, what looks like somewhat Italian-looking gangsters are singing. And yeah. they, they, it's clearly live audio. Uh, uh, they're not just shot for that scene, but uh, clearly the whole movie was shot with live audio. And they could. I mean, Hong Kong is difficult to shoot live audio in, uh, which because it is a noisy place. Uh, but here they could and did. And uh, unfortunately, Taking Manhattan can only be viewed in Cantonese and Mandarin, which takes away from it a little bit because um, it obviously won't match uh, at all. And it's kind of goofy. Uh, in, I say goofy. Goofy is not is not necessarily bad, but here it's kind of like, man, I wish I could hear it. Oh, really? uh, I, I, I have an option, you know. Yeah, because uh, some of the acting, like sometimes when the, the some of the actors are just really going for it in terms of the arguing and just getting in each other's face, and they, they look like they're really going for it. I would love to hear like what was actually said and the acting yeah. to go along with it. Yeah. With the, you know, listeners, we're doing a call out again, like we did with Three Stooges. If it is available with the original audio knocking about on a video somewhere, we want it. All right, Give send, it. <laughs> send it to send it to the Puff headquarters, and we will uh, we will have a look. We will have a look for your entertainment yeah it's not a widely circulated movie because um um and never really was i think i, I don't know if it ever got the western release anywhere i, I mean it, or a, a release in a english-speaking territory um so oh it, it, it's a shame I, i'm not surprised that the hong kong versions had cantonese and mandarin only obviously their market had to have that uh, that i'm not surprised about but it's uh, kind of disappointing that this is the only way to view it but i'll take it yep uh, otherwise, it looks good in the widescreen and whatever. So, uh, so again, going back to the pre-scene there before the big explosion that kind of sends um, Chung on the on the unemployment uh, unemployment kind of a track in the movie. Uh, the, it sets mood. Uh, it sets the stage. There's a glimpse into his day, glimpse into New York, glimpse into her day, and that evening they're bickering. And and it's just like it is set up yeah but it is the standard story kind of like yeah. you know, how the hong kong people are it's deteriorating but having said that i mean kirk wong i think never set out to do an a action or anything this is a b action and uh, mm. not that he does a masterful job of that but it's fine for what it is the exposition and drama that we have in there about this couple being pulled apart and later in the movie even more as she gets into business with uh, with the andrew chan character a little bit more it's 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 fine. I mean, it's not mm. like oh, here we go exposition again. It's you know, it's 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 just standard stuff, isn't it? Yeah. it it's honest, but uh, you know, naive kind of Hong Kong approximation of uh, an American cop film. Really, mm. at the end of the day, you know, American cop film tale. It's kind of you know, just a take on on the, the very standard you know scene with some very kind of you know, it has the usual kind of beats that we recognize, but almost kind of amped up uh, to a silly degree at times. Yeah. Um, as much as I love Carrie Oom, for large parts of the movie, her character's irrationality is kind of annoying. Uh, she, she, she's 
constantly up, mad up and down and uh, just up and know, down all the, yeah. time, all the time you know nothing's good and when it's good it's kind of great but uh, you know when she uh, becomes jealous of the two prostitutes hitting on ch- <laughs> chung as they uh, sell hot dogs in the street that's what he has to resort to uh, selling hot dogs uh, at mm-hmm. times square and these uh, I, another reason why i would have loved to hear this movie in english to see these two actresses playing prostitutes uh, hear them talk talk to him and she possibly speaking in broken English to them after listening to them throughout the scene, you know what I mean? Because I think yeah. they, them, uh, Chung, uh, Liu, uh, what's the actor's name again? Pardon me, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Loi Chi Yin. I'm, I'm thinking possibly their scenes were Cantonese and then Carrie got to break out into English uh, every now and again, including in that yeah. scene. Um, but, but her irrationality and kind of anger at uh, everything uh, at a, you know, the short fuse is uh, it's kind of annoying, but uh, what else? I mean, it's uh, it's not there. Uh, it doesn't destroy the movie or anything. No, not at all, not at all. And I think we're just so used to kind of watching, watching uh, you know, seeing Westerners speak in 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 Cantonese in in Hong Kong cinema. Anyway, it's just it's no no skin off on us really. Exactly. Uh, what what a great superior uh, he is, kind of in bed with uh, Chung's character Elena. Uh, weird. Uh, Elena. Elena. Uh, Elena. She, uh, Elena. Elena. As <laughs> <laughs> an alliteration, or however you call it. Um, she uh, see she seems to be undercover as a prostitute all the time, or she just dresses like that all the time. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say because they're they're sexy, and I put the air quotation. She's wearing like a kind of kinky kind of like. I don't know the, the the name of it, but the boobs are exposed like all the time. It's not like you can just cover it up. The boobs are just kind of sitting on top of it, like it's like a corset kind of thing. And I'm just thinking, like, so do you just wear that every day on your jacket then for situations like this? <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't quite understand. Yeah, it's, it's this scene where they're about to be found <laughs> out by Andrew Chan and to cover them up uh, that he is undercover. They fake a sex scene together and he walks in like, oh, getting, getting it on there. Like, yeah, I'm a, I am. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's, um, she's a kind of forceful in a way that works. I mean, she's a beautiful woman. I, I, mean, I, I kind of like her. Uh, <laughs> moments, there's moments near the beginning where she's kind of trying too hard to be the kind of uh like naggy kind of moody superior when she's kind of like throwing the the kettle at the rats and like she's eating pizza at a desk and stuff, stuff like that but i think she kind of it, it's quite big at first but then i think she slowly kind of settles it down a bit and it's quite it's quite emotional in the end as well i think she she does um she does well she's commendable for the for the you know for the material she, she does well with it i think i think so i mean it's a, that force will actually works uh it's not forced uh, despite the character being forceful you know what i mean it's uh yeah. she 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 gets into it and that's uh, that's good uh i dig the little i dig the little um action in the apartment complex oh, that, uh, that uh, yeah. chung and uh, andrew chan's character raids uh, to find uh, their kids after they've been kidnapped uh, early on in the film uh some close nice close quarter fight stuff for short pretty stars. fucking badass man yeah pretty yeah. fucking badass it surprised me how how well it was uh really kind of up close kind of using the the walls and and the kind of things around and obviously the you know on top of beds and and stuff like that and like <laughs> geese jumping out of like closets and stuff it's awesome like really yeah. really got me into kind of uh seeing i think the, the atmosphere just helped i think it's, it's a whorehouse isn't it a really gritty kind of 
whole house with a lot yeah. of dudes to go on. And it is a scene where they, they all just stand in the corridor and it just kicks off. And it's, it's really, really, really good. Surprisingly good. Yeah. Yeah, some good, like, uh, bursts, bursts of uh, to-the-point gunplay as well. Mm. Uh, which is more in line with uh, how Kirk Wong's action and the, the, the kind of action you expect out of Kirk Wong. It's not like you say, just John Woo action in this movie. Uh, yeah. So it, it really good. Uh, using standing uh, standing environments, obviously, I think they literally shot this at an apartment complex, maybe. Uh, it, maybe put some graffiti on the wall, or if not, uh, uh, Kirk, they just went Kirk in there. <laughs> <laughs> tag it <laughs> the scene the scene afterwards that though is insanely homoerotic but amazing like yeah. the, the dudes are just standing around topless just banging a bottle of jack Daniels, yeah grabbing, they're, they're, they're grabbing they're each other's crotch and stuff it's like, yeah it's kind of damn. after the first job together like let's you know let's take over manhattan it's and, sweaty uh, man it's it's yeah. sweaty scene but it's quite funny it's, it looks good though it's like kind of like just blue bathing. I think they're under the under, under the Brooklyn Bridge, possibly. Uh, possibly, and it's just kind of just, they're, they're, it's a, it's a standard kind of uh, tramp um, <laughs> can just set on fire. Like we see, yeah. see, like they're just standing there, just burning the clothes for just no reason, which uh, I like a lot. Well, well uh, I suppose the reason <laughs> is to get out, get, get the evidence out of the way, but also just to show it. that these just, two just, guys just are uh, pretty ripped as well. I was gonna say, yeah, it's just it's a. Uh, as an excuse to kind of get just compare kind of titty sizes with each other, <laughs> which is quite it's fun, man. It's just fun. It's the the film is filled with moments like that that are just kind of just they're just fun. They just had areas like they're obviously kind of just not meant to be taken seriously, but no. they're performed very seriously, which just makes them kind of you know earnest kind of sincerity with it, which I like, man. I like a lot. I mean, the most insane scene for me is actually not that, but uh, the lead up to the sex scene between the Carrie. The sex scene. I was gonna you know, say. I was you know, say. The fucking kid says at one point. <laughs> no, next door. Like um, uh, the kid essentially so says bad. to either dad or mom that why have uh, the subtitles say go like this? Why haven't daddy raided you lately? That's and, amazing. And, and, like... and then they say between themselves, like Carrie Ullman and uh, Chung, yeah, the kid says you're not molesting me. <laughs> <laughs> this, this kid knows his stuff. Like this kid is tuned in. Like he knows. The worst thing is though is that they get into it and it's just a curtain where the, where the little kid's sleeping. It's not like you know we'll we'll go next door or, or whatever or we'll go in a separate room. Obviously the place is just one kind of big room with like separate areas. So all of this she does is just pull the curtain. And in the sex scene, it's ridiculous. It's almost a parody of softcore porn. There's like a sweet ass guitar riff in the background, like and then there's kidney beans being torn off fridge tops and Carrie pulls the fucking shower curtain off. I mean, I'd be so mad the next day, all the tidying up. <laughs> and DIY, I'd have to pull out the bag like the next day. Oh, I've got to put the you know shower curtain back up again, you know. Jeez, it's crazy. Insane. It's kind, of, kind of hot too. I mean, it was passionate. They, they were kind of, they, they kind of been dormant for a while, <laughs> they, this couple, you know. So a rough and passionate sex scene it is, and uh, it was kind of, it was kind of hot. I liked it. I liked it. It's not, you know, it's not a history of violence, is it? It's, uh, it's, very, it's, very, uh, it's very, it's not, it's, it's not kind of, you know, brutal, say, you know, sex on the stairs and stuff. It's more like we're gonna go around the apartment and just take everything off, just rip yeah. everything off, every kind of piece of the apartment. It's going on the floor. <laughs> uh, well, you know what you do. Uh, 
sometimes you just get mad when in uh, when in horn dog mode, and then after when all is said and done, what what was what I thinking? Fucks. What was I thinking? You know, <laughs> and and this is kind of a light version of that. Now we gotta clean up too. You know, it's not it's not uh, it's not that. So it's not uh, the the consequence is not uh, psychologically scarring. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's not that bad. No, it's, 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 it it makes me wonder though that it's just such a I guess it's just a, a, a leap from that sex scene which I feel is almost kind of clumsy in its kind of kind of silliness almost to the sex scene in crime story, like how kind of um, it's just it's just it's just the kind of a world of difference. I think the one in crime story is quite kind of passionate and quite well done, whereas this one just seems like they're just going for it. We're just tearing things apart. Like like Kirk just said, you know what? Just fuck up the apartment. <laughs> just, destroy, just fucking destroy it. Like uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't want the to camera see. doesn't cut a lot either. The camera is following It's just one take. A lot of it, isn't it? It's just kind of following them to here, there, and and, and kind of just doing it. Which, Oh, hilarious, amazing, really amazing. Um, not that I get into the logical details of the movie as, as such, a care if, if uh, it doesn't make sense, but it's kind of fascinating that uh, the Andrew Chan character he seems small time as he gets in, he's get, he gets small jobs like uh, working at the fish market uh, and still says that I'm gonna take over Manhattan in three weeks. Starface, it ain't. <laughs> no, it's a it's a fast track, and I mean, but he, he kind of can gets it down in a way, you know. He can be forceful, and uh, during this big uh, confrontation between uh, uh, between gangs and what have you, he, he obviously kills someone at that point, and you know, he's uh, he's not all talk. He's uh, he can. Uh, he can get it done too, and uh, I, I love the little scene way before that, uh, where uh, the place they deliver fish to, they have a little confrontation with, that uh, scene, with, yeah. with a Chinese gangster that's snorting coke amidst hanging pigs and flies. Like, like, why, like, why, that's what I thought as well. Why is he in the middle of those pigs when, like, next to it is a space with no pigs? Like, why, <laughs> why, why where, where, where to eat your dinner? You go, I'm gonna put the table right here in amongst the animal corpses because I love the smell of it while I'm, you know, trying to tuck into my cocaine. That's outrageous. <laughs> oh, cocaine's uh, weird. No, but his cocaine performance is amazing as well. Like, he's kind of, like, shaking a bit and you can just see he's kind of... He, he's clearly... He's done, he's done a big a big chunk there, a, a big, nice chunk. But he's... Uh, I think he, he, he's, he popped up in lots of the acts. I think that Jeff Lee... I think he's in Year of the Dragon. Really? I think he's the bad guy in You, the Dragon, or one of the bad guys in You, the Dragon. Is that yeah. a New York movie as well? Um, y- yes. Don't want to say yes. I sound, I sound like right, a, right, right. Well, don't, don't. I think, yeah, like I don't want to. I, I think I'm sure. I'm yes, sure it was, and it was set, set in Los Angeles instead. Yeah, no, I'm sure. Yeah, it is. It's sure it's set in New. Yeah, it's New York. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Um, but yeah, yeah. So the thing I was you saying about um the guy who played uh, yeah Andrew Chan, I think is it's a shame he wasn't in. Other stuff, I think he's got obviously the geese, he's ripped, like, and he, he puts in a good performance, especially towards the end where he gets a bit manic. Like, his manic performance is good as well. Yeah. Like, his kind of gritty, kind of energetic performance. Um, when stuff happens, when things are revealed and stuff, like, he's, he's, he's good, man. Like, he does it with a fair bit of grit. I sometimes wonder because he's not as good as, I think he's more interested in the lead, to be, to be brutally honest. I think sometimes wonder if, uh, if our lead, um, Luci, Luci, and, um, I sometimes wonder that he's serviceable, but he's not great. But I, I sometimes wonder, was he picked just possibly because of the fact he could speak English? Possibly. It, it being somewhat of a compromise, you know, his casting of decent acting in both languages. Uh, we, you know, we don't know how he sounds in the original mix, but I think we're left with the aftermath of, of that cast, that casting dubbed into Cantonese. So I wonder kind of 
whether it, he wasn't, you know, there, there could have been better people for the role, but because he could, you know, talk both, he could speak both Cantonese and English, that he was, you know, and, first. And, first and, and possibly New York based as well. Yeah, possibly he could live down the road. <laughs> no. So it's uh, all about like uh, casting practically, I suppose, and fly in one piece of talent, which is uh, Carrie Room, obviously. So um... yeah, she's because she's the only well-known star of this film, is really. I mean, which surprised me as well. Like again, like I don't like to kind of, I hear about the film, I don't kind of like to research a lot of it before, but I like to kind of just go straight into it, kind of fresh, and I went into it. And I was thinking, there's, there's, yeah, there's really not a lot of people familiar facing this apart from Carrie. No, really, she, uh, I didn't recognize anyone uh, other than her, obviously. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a uh, Kirk and her from Hong Kong, and and uh, <laughs> right. uh, and 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 possibly a little bit of crew from Hong Kong as well. Um, soundtrack's good man as well. That soundtrack's that that main theme is really good. Sure. Like, I first kind of heard it when I, I was put the first put the DVD and I kind of heard it on the main menu and I was like, oh, that's that's a nice little piece. And then it pops up for that film. It's really good. There's a scene. There's a there's a bit which sounds like I think it, it sounds like My Sharona. It's like dun 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 dun. And it's like a synth thing that, that's supposed to be kind of it's supposed to be like move the scene in dramatic ways. And all I kept thinking was My Sharona. <laughs> Everyone, <laughs> everyone's speaking to each other, kind of like, I'm gonna fucking murder you. And it's just like oh, My Sharona. Matt Brady. <laughs> I was just thinking like. I'd, I'd kind of like stop reading the titles and just like see my throne in my head. Oh shit! Yeah, it's, it's, it's kicking off like at a swimming pool. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yes. But back to Kirk Wong. I mean, for this movie is nothing that furthers the man, but I think it was a cool venture to try out because it's mm. not it's not everyday Hong Kong filmmakers just went to New York to make to make a movie. I mean, it, it's um, it was not part of like the production. Uh, schedule every year like five ten movies we do in new york yeah you know so i think yeah uh, uh, it must have been uh, like a cool experiment to to kind of do yeah. and and an easy one to do like bringing a script there that won't challenge you a lot but you kind of uh the challenge is to make a movie in this completely different environment to what you're used yeah. to i mean kirk studied abroad yes but he doesn't study he didn't study in new york he studied in, in, in england. england yeah yeah uh, yeah so um so i i i kind of I mean, if it doesn't further the man, it definitely doesn't hurt his um, kind of a trajectory. You know that uh, to have this on his resume is uh, is not a bad thing, and uh, he didn't uh, decline in quality. Obviously, next movie, Crime Story, is uh, uh, you know. If, if anything, yeah, I mean, he got you know that was kind of his course now because for his work in the nineties, like it just gets you know better and better. Yeah. Um, he obviously finds his his niche. Um, no Lifeline Express type of vehicle. No, no, uh, no, no. Just oh. you know, it, he knows what he's doing now. Kind of, he knows what he's he's kind of best at with it. Um, but I, yeah, it's, I, it's more of a it's it's definitely a, above a curiosity piece for me. It's oh yeah. not just a curiosity. It's slightly above. It's not massively. It's just slightly above a curiosity piece because of that that gritty atmosphere alone and that you know some good action scenes. Yeah, New York is a character, definitely. I mean, yeah. it works in most movies. I mean, the New York Chinatown, uh, I just, I don't remember, like, uh, tons of images from, you know, how they displayed New York in that movie, but I, I liked it. I liked its feel, uh, you know, yeah. and uh, and it was kind of cool. And uh, uh, what else is to say? Well, there is some, uh, some some decent bloodshed. There's a character who gets a wide, wide yeah. opener to the neck. Yep. And uh, it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, bloodshed effect there. And and later in the movie, like the drama between man and husband is, um, uh, wife and husband rather, is that the wife is pulled in, you know, into uh, and does job for Andrew Chan's character, and her it's her defiance, you know, it, she doesn't care. And even when Hero is like, I'm undercover, like get the hell out of here. Well, yeah, you say that, but you know, you could be lying. 
No, it's so defiant, and uh, that that's uh, the drama, if you will. That um, we'll we'll talk of the end scene, but I just wanted to get this note out of the scene. The scene I desperately wanted to hear in English is that shouting match between various gangsters, or one of the next to last scenes. Yeah, this this is is what I said. Yeah, like when they're really getting into kind of just shouting at each other and saying, "Oh, I'm gonna like I'm gonna you know fuck your mom and and your sister and stuff." That I think he says at one point, it's just like, "Jesus, it's a bit brutal." Like I would love to hear him, you know, going for it, like shouting in English. There's a great piece of comedy in there because they say like, "I'll fuck your family, I'll fuck your grandmother, I'll fuck your tailor." Cut to the tailor in the same yeah, way. Yeah. Like, huh? <laughs> what? That's all me on right now. I like that. I mean, it's the only comedy so saying the film, and yeah. it doesn't need to be there. But boy, was it like, oh, whoa, that was <laughs> whoa. <laughs> fuck me. <laughs> I'm getting out of here. <laughs> so I mean, it's uh, it, it's the overacting is fun, and I mean, as you said, with Andrew Chan, his his wide-eyed overacting could have gone so wrong in the hands of a worse actor. But I I think it uh, definitely works for the brutality and the primal yeah. nature of the ending, set yeah. mostly uh, a lot is on the streets, but set mostly underground in the subways populated by. Uh, by other people, so I'm thinking that they definitely needed to uh, have some permits in there because they fucking break a sub s- subway cart uh, window at one point. They obviously couldn't do that. And store gets fucking destroyed, like magazine stall uh, gets fucking wrecked. And no, no human could just you know burst through a window <laughs> like that. So they must have set up you know uh, a window in that subway cart mm-hmm. to, to break. Mm-hmm. And that's my favorite image out of the whole action ending because uh, Andrew Chan's character uh, has uh, carry him in his uh, grip and what have you and and uh, Loi Chi Yin just bursts through the window with his head like I gotta you know it's such heavy duty primal stuff by that point I really dig it it's uh, it's uh, it has a drive it has a kind of pulse pounding drive uh, during uh, some sections here during the ending yeah, it's good. It's good to see uh, Dog the Bounty Hunter show up as one of the henchmen as well uh, in this film. <laughs> in, in this film, the guy with the, the guy looks like Lionel, the one with the you know, the blonde. Right. The blonde I know, I know. Yeah. Kind of the second bad guy out of the movie. Too. Yeah, who obviously has a kind of a bit more going on, but there's, there's a ridiculous scene with him as well, where he's kind of having having sex with this uh, this girl on um, on a stage. Something and and he comes up and like um our, our kind of our, our hero comes up and just just tears him off this naked woman and just like proceeds just beat the shit out of him, which uh and he takes some blows like he takes some blows on the table and stuff so oh he took some blows uh ah uh, yeah see what I did there he took a blow you naughty naughty boy naughty naughty yeah slap slap my wrist yeah but yeah he's he's, he's hilariously uh, over the top as well which is uh. Which is good, man. But yeah, you're saying about the the action scenes, yeah, the, the back end ones, um, the drug deal, and the train station finale. They're both they're both you know absolutely solid, if not next level. They just pack just enough grit to be uh, to be quite quite satisfying. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, it's one of the like long lasting images of the film that um, that the finale. Uh, I, I watched it many many years ago, and my, kind of my key memory was that finale. Like that, that was rather cool. I liked that, and uh, yep. it and my kind of view uh, haven't changed uh, since then either. So I think it's uh, mm. I, I recommend it if you're interested in Kirk Wong. Then definitely, it's not. Uh, um, that is not talked about that I don't necessarily disagree with because you can't talk of every movie in a director's uh, filmography. But, uh, you know, give it a chance. It's um, If you're kind of unsure of it, it's uh, it, it doesn't, you know, 
uh, what am I trying to say? It's not a waste of your 83 no, minutes no, out of no, your no. life or anything. <laughs> no, it's too, it's too fast. Well, it's too fast for that. But yeah, we, we haven't talked about the, uh, just a quick one. We haven't talked about the uh, the black guy, the deaf, uh, blind black guy. What is that about? I don't even know what that's. I just, I just don't understand it. I just don't understand it. It's, um, it's a sub. Um, it's a sub character in the movie that's um, blind DJ broadcasting out of his house. I love to hear that as well. What he was saying because obviously in Cantonese, it's just it just does not work like, at all. Kind the way he's kind of just speaking Cantonese like, it on top of like the. Sounds like Eric Cotta. Someone dubbed him. There's really <laughs> like <laughs> the voice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I never made any notes other than that. He's kind of goofy, but all right, yeah. fine. I'm, I'm... It, 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 it kind of works in, in its silliness, but it's just very, just non complete, nonsensical. There's some great fashion choices as well. Like Carrie's like wearing, like, I think, like yellow vest, yellow heels, and like a bright green, like chunky knit cardigan combo. She rolls, she rolls with at one point, like when it's like baking. Like, like it obviously looks very hot, but. Again, it's just that you know they did things differently. Then it's a good, it's a good choice. <laughs> uh, possibly picked by Kirk Wong yeah, because you know he did study fashion. He did pick. Kirk yeah, Wong knows. Yeah. He knows. He well, knows he, a good he picked. Uh, he picked uh, the uh, lead actors' um, costumes um, for Crime Story as well. So you know he got into the costume design uh, choices uh, for Crime Story. It works better than in Taking Manhattan, if you will. But uh... Taking Manhattan is probably the the, the, the funnier, the, 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 the funnier, the funnier of like you know counterpoint to uh, crime stories you know fashion sense um this yeah. is the kind of outrageous counterpoint because you say it was filmed in 1990 uh, I, I heard very 80s very 80s like back in the yeah. 80s Amazing. Uh, I, I love by the way the shot of the new york post uh, magazine that says <laughs> press p-r-e-z uh, declares war on drugs pez uh, Pez dispensers. Press. There's something wrong with Pez. Pez dispensers. There's something wrong with them. It's like, oh, I don't know. I hope it wasn't real. <laughs> I hope that wasn't real. It's bad grammar. It's like New York Post. Come on, man. Was that really how papers like talked, so to say, in the 90s? Oh, perfect. Uh, press, they close war on drugs. Yo, 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 press. Declare war on drugs. Pretzels, declare, declare war on drugs. Stop eating us with drugs. We've had enough. We well, like to be consumed on our own, us pretzels. Uh, <laughs> yes, sure. uh, as for uh, availability, this title lies with Fortune Star. And uh, we watched the, uh, because that's what I own, so I, I gave it to Thomas Webb, the Delta Mac DVD of it. That it's now, it's now out of print, but the Joy Sales DVD as part of their legendary collection mm. is in print, however, and on the CD as well. So uh, you can watch it that way if you are interested in the movie. So. I wonder if that's uh, anamorphic because I know that that range they all are. It is, know, but uh, um, they uh, often did, although it doesn't look too bad. Just uh, upscaled the uh, uh, non-anamorphic transfers that's been around for ages. I mean, many of these. Yeah, there's, there's no there's no clean up with those ones at all. They're kind of as as it is, kind of from the old DVDs slapped on. The Joy Sales DVDs, for some reason, a lot of them were very blue and pink. Yeah, they, they went in and did something to them when you compare them to the Delta Mac DVDs that look very much more natural. Uh, so so I, uh, I didn't run out and upgrade or anything. I just bought mm. what I didn't have. 
when the joy sales range came out a lot of that stuff was vcd only or not even vcd only uh, before so it, it's a good range but uh, uh, the, the blue and purple tinge to a lot of these movies uh, when on the joy when presented on the joy sales dvds i wasn't too wild about but very cheap uh, discs and uh, and uh, it should be good but uh, again that dvd is the same only cantonese and mandarin tracks and no alternate uh, alternate original english so uh, that's uh, that's you you need to remember but go and get it if you're interested Yep. Uh, we are taking a break, and after the break, we are talking crime story from 1993, starring Jackie Chan. So uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back, and we are going to talk Crime Story from 1993. Kind of the movie that is um, the most known out of the Kirk Wong oeuvre, if you I'd will. Say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, but uh, for, for good reason. For good reason. Uh, yeah. Plot from my re- review of the film Real Estate Magnate Wong Yat Fei, played by Lo Ying from movies like Summer Snow and Forbidden City Cop. Good dramatic actor, good comedic actor. Uh, he has been kidnapped once and fears it, would happen, it will happen again. He contacts police and receives protection from Inspector Eddie Chan, played by Jackie Chan. But a plot orchestrated by disgruntled cop Hung, played by Kent Cheng, makes the threat come true. And both Wong and his wife, played by Susanna Ao, are abducted. The wife is soon released and demand of transferring money for Wong's release is carried out in order to source uh, vital clues about the destination uh, where the money is going so they're actually working uh, we're working to send the money over but uh, delaying it as much as they can Uh, working alongside eddie is hung who will go to any lengths to disrupt any progress made (laughs) a spiral of death and lies (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right this discussion and review will contain spoilers as we will discuss the real life events the outcome or the uh, theories of the outcome and how it plays out in the film and it's a very well documented uh, case to a degree uh, but some facts are still in the air. So mm. this is what it's based on. It's based on a kidnapping case of uh, Chinese businessman uh, Teddy Wang, who was the founder of the China Chem or China Chem group that turned into a major property developer in Asia and Hong Kong. Uh, Wang was kidnapped once in 1983, and kidnappers did let him go after the ransom of 34 million Hong Kong dollars was paid by his wife Nina Wang. I think they demanded 60. And got 34. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think in real life they demanded 60, but they only got, only got 34. But only got oh. 34. I mean, it was a pretty hefty. Um... If it's not anything below 40, I'm not interested in Ken. Or... <laughs> <laughs> <Click. laughs> Uh, so um, that was the first kidnapping he was kidnapped again in 1990 the case crime story is based on Uh, the police tried to secure traces uh, of the kidnappers by paying out the demand to several bank accounts but not fully processing the payments Uh, uh, but in the end Teddy Wang was never returned or found and was presumed dead based on interrogations with arrested kidnappers and it's likely based on the stories at least that's the police's um, 
version of it and their theory that uh, Teddy Wang was thrown overboard in into the sea because uh, he was uh, kept mm-hmm. on a boat. Uh, the Hong Kong police came under heavy fire from Nina Wang, who refused to acknowledge, um, like, to definitely claim her husband had passed away, and uh, she was crit- uh, criticizing how the case uh, was handled. Uh, it even led to Nina Wang demanding the production of Crime Story that they depicted the events uh, differently. They were going with that very fact that they feared that Teddy Wang died uh, after being thrown uh, overboard but Nina Wang demanded the production depicting uh, that her husband was uh, returned safely in uh, this very sloppy sloppily inserted ending to the film and, and one and, thing I have a big problem with is just the, the one major problem is the ending yeah, yeah she, she was kind of legally um, in the right to do so I, I don't know the details now but apparently like she could uh, based on the fact that she was a widow uh, widowed of the person they're depicting uh, she could have her say and they had to kind of um, because they were making it based on this case and not uh, renaming everything and everyone they kind of had to uh, do what she told them apparently mm-hmm. um, but in the aftermath of all of this Nina Wang took over the thriving company and, w- and it wasn't until 1999 where, um, they uh, declared Teddy Wang legally dead because he never he, they never did find the body uh, mm. Court battles over his um, estate ensued, uh, with uh, Teddy's father wanting to be the sole beneficiary and, or the family, rather, of Wang's. Uh, and Nina uh, Nina wanted to be the sole beneficiary based on a will she presented uh, in case. But the uh, authenticity of that will came into question uh, in three court cases, two of which she lost, the first and second, but she actually won, a f- uh, won it during the third court case that uh, that uh, they deemed that that will was uh, genuine I can't, uh, I can't i can't i struggle to believe that these people sometimes are just it's not struggle to believe but like how that you live your whole life with this like hanging like in the balance like from 1990 to 2005 she's had to kind of have this this thing in the background it's crazy like how you, people just live their life putting up you know having to put up with kind of these 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 circumstances yeah it's it crazy, was uh, from crazy, 1999 to 2005 this was Seemingly, uh, you know, it was a public battle too. So um, there was t- taking a toll on them being public figures too. At least she, um, she had actually been treated for cancer since the year before 2004, and Nina Wang passed away in 2007. Um, but the legal battle still continued on after her death, uh, as the um, for the Wang estate in general, I suppose, so because now several wills came to the forefront that not only included, obviously the Wang family, uh, you know, being mentioned in the will as uh, uh, recipients of uh, of money after Teddy or uh, Teddy and or Nina's death, but also a will that said essentially, essentially that a feng shui master claimed to be, or what, what he, that he was written into the will to be the sole beneficiary <laughs> or something like that. Uh, this will, in particular, was eventually deemed a forgery. And no. The fam- no. <laughs> <laughs> and the family won the case eventually. So, so, so it's kind of uh, done and dealt with uh, by now, as far as I know. Uh, at least according to the documentary that we watched, that we will also link to on um, in the show post. It was a very um, a fairly recent documentary, it seemed, because it uh, covered events up until uh, 2007, uh, uh, until uh, up until her death, if you will. And so, was, if you like the film, it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, definitely, it fills in a few gaps and uh, was very well made. Uh, back to the movie, it was shot in a way where it was clearly shown the kind of definite 
a haunting ending to the Teddy Wang character that Lo Ying plays, where we see him thrown into the sea. It's a very eerie shot, uh, actually. Uh, but what happens in the movie is cut to him having been rescued somehow, you know, out of the blue. Uh, no, not even a scene where a police boat that was following the boat he was on picked him up. You know, mm. just out of the blue. That, that ending is so, so bad. Uh, and it was not one of the cuts that Kirk Wong complained about in the Dragon Dynasty interview. Um, uh, he complained about some editorial decisions uh, that um, Jackie Chan apparently was um, more in charge of than him or the editor. And uh, we, we'll talk more about that in a little bit, but uh, I just wanted to make that clear. Because he, he doesn't go into a lot of details about what scenes were changed against his will uh, or anything. Uh, but in the movie that did kind of portray it all like it probably happened, or that a movie that uh, was in line with the police theory, if you will, was the cheap category free rated retelling of the same crime called Kidnap of Wong Chak Fei. Uh, this was a Wong Jing scripted production that appeared in theaters merely a month or two after Crime Story in the summer and starred Ken Cheng again in a, a variation of his nominated role in Crime Story. Uh, this time, crazy. yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. you know, it's not like he had a responsibility to not do another movie on the same. Get paid, motherfucker. Like, just go, yeah. go for it. Yeah, do it. Uh. Uh, but uh, this time the filmmakers set up the kidnapped victim Wong Chuck Fei, this time played by Paul Chun, as a much more sinister man who drives Cop uh, Ching, played by Ken Cheng, to the edge of crime, if you will. Uh, the film might have served as an interesting companion piece and a social commentary, especially since the final events seem to correspond, sli- correspond slightly more to the sad outcome of the real crime. And uh, the Chinese text and the coda thing that uh, our friend Sylvia Roram helped me translate. It essentially recaps the same thing. It says that uh, Wong's body was never found, but they found remains of another on the beach, which is in that case, um, the movie ends with Ken Cheng and uh, Paul Chun's character falling into the water and struggling. Uh, so. Mm. so it's uh, more uh, directed to their reference that character. Yeah. But uh, the director of uh, Kidnap of Wong Chak Fei, uh, Ku Xin Ming, he just puts audiences to sleep in that movie. It's a yeah, it's such a boring movie. Uh, the only memorable moments are some Wong Jing sophomoric humor sections, if you will. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a scene where Ken Cheng uh, gets a blowjob while uh, uh, while there's an operation going on uh, trying to find Wong Chak Fei. It's the 1983 case, so he has a walkie-talkie with him, but he still goes to this. Uh, brothel if you will to get a blowjob and while he gets a blowjob and really gets into it <laughs> he talks on the he talks on the mic uh, on the walkie-talkie giving commands to his unit like oh, uh, come now come now and then he you know and they're like yes sir yes, sir we will and they interpret it as actual commands but he's actually you know having ejaculation ha 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 <laughs> <laughs> it, it's so dumb and classic okay. over the top Wong Jing but uh, uh, it, it's not really memorable as such it's actually there is a scene here I'm, I'm sorry to be like crude or anything but there, there is a scene where you see the girl uh, wipe um, sperm off her face after the blowjob scene and I never expected in a million years that to be in the movie that, that, yeah, that's yeah. just like censor stuff like 
that's going out because it's clear she is just running down her mouth like whoa uh, so it's like i never expected that to be left in a movie some other category three movies like brother of darkness this serious drama apparently had a scene uh part of a, a lovemaking scene had uh, you know sperm in it so but that was cut so so I, I don't know. They just miss, missed that one, or just loved that scene. Loved Wong Jing. Oh, no, the defenders just didn't want to fucking watch this film. <laughs> they, they, they had ten minutes. And just like, no, I think they talking. merely listened to it because there is a um, there are a lot of uh, audio censoring in the film. That, like for the more crude uh, the <laughs> the scene where the prostitute, which is not a attractive one, says that she's gonna give him oral sex. She really says it in a pronounced way, like oral sex. But the way she probably said it was a way too crude. Uh, yeah, friends yeah, yeah. category free rating so you hear you that uh, <laughs> i don't know maybe it is but uh, regardless they did uh, they did bleep it on the soundtrack so yeah uh but uh, some some beats about how wong drives cheng's um, son to uh kind of attempt uh, att- uh attempt suicide is is effective but that's like a minute or two out of the movie uh, and it's strange because the movie has acting royalty really Ken Cheng, Paul Chun, Cheng Pei Pei plays the widow. Uh, in an early role, Francis Um plays the cop role. You know, the Jackie Chan role, if you will. It's not mm. a carbon copy of the Jackie Chan role at all. Uh, but it's such a no-budget waste that it's only good for research. You know, mm. for, for this show. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and as for how its ending plays out in detail, uh, Paul Chun's uh, uh, Wong Chak Fei, he breaks free. And he shoots uh, Ken Cheng's character in the stomach. And they fall into the water. They struggle. Uh, Ken Cheng pulls him down like, want to drown, want to die together? Uh, cut to stock, stock footage of a shark and a pile of blood in the water. And, Are you and, joking? No, no, no. Oh, my God. And uh, then a pile of blood in the water and then the Chinese text at the end. You just know the filmmakers just do not give a fuck at that point if they're going to you know, put that in the film. It's they're like clear, a, it's like a out of ideas. Uh, the Discovery Channel off a TV screen. It looks like that. Like, oh my shark God. week is on. <laughs> we got our footage. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's so, disappointing. Back to Jackie Chan. I mean, he was apparently advised by Golden Harvest to, I heard anyway, to turn away from directing after overshooting the budget yeah. and schedule yeah. on Off God 2, Operation Condor. And they really like experiment by working with other directors and don't waste money. <laughs> yeah. And he did. I mean, uh, in 1993, we got um, the Chinese New Year hit, uh, City Hunter, where he clashed with uh, Wong Jing, in, not in a good way. <laughs> they didn't get along. Uh, but it's a, it's a very colorful and wacky adaptation of the Japanese uh, manga City Hunter. I, I love City Hunter. It's um, it's it's better Wong Jing uh, sophomoric humor, if you will. Uh, it's yeah, it's 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 a mixed bag. You gotta be in a, you gotta be in the right mood for it at, at times. I suppose, yeah. Um, the clash with Kirk Wong didn't happen really on set. It happened in the aftermath of during the editing because Kirk really liked working with uh, Jackie. Mm. Uh, he said. Uh, it uh, was indeed a oh, oh by the way um the, the clash on city hunt uh, led to wong jing in one of his classic like immature moments uh writing the script for high risk and directing yeah. risk and making fun like, of Chan to go to go the whole like way to actually uh, writing yeah, the script yeah, yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and filming it just to kind of like take a knock to jack is is hilarious and i love high risk for all the wrong reasons it, it's funny and the action is kind of great as well so. yeah that's a good one 
<laughs> so it's like, and who am I is a dead ring for Jackie's dad? <laughs> you know, that uh, that hat and that, um, you know, it, it just looked like Jackie, it looked like uh, Jackie's dad. But it's like, like, I'm making fun of you, Jackie. Is it Jackie's dad or is, or is it Jackie's uh, uh, manager? It's uh, Jackie's dad. Charlie Cho plays uh, Willie Chan, I believe. Which, oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. No. it's not really hard to replicate the look of them because the, both of them are quite have distinct looks in uh, mm. the in uh, the public personas, if you will. Uh, but regardless, yeah. back to crime story. It was a box office hit and a Hong Kong Film Award winner for editing. It was nominated for best picture, best actor, um, uh, best action as well. And uh, Jackie and Kirk, um, it was said that they worked well during production, but Kirk wasn't pleased with the edits made to the film without his supervision. And on the Dragon Dynasty DVD, again, he said in his own words, uh, directing it to Jackie, you could have just picked up the phone and called me, man. You know, you didn't need to go behind my back. Uh, I I don't know which cuts uh, and which edits he did without his supervision, but um, Kirk seemed sincere. He was not like super mad about it. It kind of deflated like, man, it would have been so easy to have some communication going after we got along on set, you know. Uh, but uh, he answered with in a laugh, like, whatever. <laughs> you know, his, uh, why care about it at this point, you know. I just, I, I just think the whole, I think, I think Jackie just trying to experiment with directors. It was just doomed, doomed from the beginning because it was just, just how much, yeah. I think when you, when you're kind of making a lot of money from doing something that you can do well, I think for another director to kind of, you know, tell you this is how it needs to be or this is how it needs to look. I just think if it was young Jackie in his early career, yeah, but I think at that point in his career and how big he was, it just, it seems kind of silly. We get some interesting films out of it, but. It's just bound to happen. It clashes with directors. Sure, sure. Uh, Jet Li was originally attached to a project, but either schedule conflicts or salary negotiations fell through. There's two different. That would be interesting. Yeah. Oh, sure. It'll be fine. It will be fine. But uh, I don't mind uh, the jacket in it. I think it's really good. it kind of came together while discussing with Jackie, presumably on the set of Twin Dragons, because uh, Kirk yeah. acted in the film. Um, yeah. He told Jackie about, uh, you know, he had uh, kind of this story going on and uh, um, story for a film, not necessarily this uh, film, where there would be a fight scene where a guy uh, armed only with a stick would fight against a hundred guys. And it, it kind of got Jackie interesting and it kind of got interested. And it did get the ball rolling for Crime Story, despite this scene being scrapped at Jackie's insistence, which mm. uh, actually surprised Kirk yeah, that Jackie didn't see the purpose of this scene anymore. And they, they never shot it at all. Um, and he wanted to see a different acting side to Jackie personally, Kirk, that is. And uh, in a very ironic and fun moment during his interview, he recalls saying to Jackie, like, you act like a comedian and no one will take you seriously. But eventually they did. I was wrong. They were right. <laughs> <laughs> so because obviously when Rush Hour broke, that was a comedic role and uh, the dramatic roles in Hollywood happened later for Jackie. So. Yep. Um, police had apparently had trouble with the movie. Uh, they, it was meant as a morale boost, as made. For, you know, there, there's a heroic shots and acts in there. But I suppose the police, uh, there they were tension still when you bring up this case. So after they were criticized uh, to bring yeah. up this case in a very commercial movie, I think they weren't like police story on board with uh, the movie, like uh, like you know they'd been before supporting Jackie and what have you. So because mm. that scene with Jackie, like. Um kind of riding the uh, the bikes uh, they're riding the bike near the beginning with uh, you know the fallen police officer kind of yep. on top of him and the bikes in the background it's just iconic isn't it so yeah, yeah, yeah sometimes you sometimes think like that's a bit it's a bit i could see i could see that i could see obviously yeah it must be a touchy a touchy subject despite the 
what the film produced and just a touchy subject in general because of how long the case you know rolled out for mm. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, it was three years after the case um, when uh, the movie may have been started shooting uh, in mm. 92, for instance, or maybe only two years after the case. Yep. So let's talk and review the movie finally. And uh, first of all, Tom, your brief opinion of Crime Story. What did you what do you what did you think of it then? What do you think of it now? Can't Crime Story, I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it obviously like a lot of times uh, throughout the years, VHS, DVD. Um, it, for me, it always has felt slightly compromised, you know, with the clash between Jackie um, and Kirk. But somehow, out of it, we get, you know, top to bottom, a solid, you know, kind of nearly two hours with without a kind of a uh, a slip in the narrative strength or just a slip in everyone's kind of acting strength throughout the whole thing. It's just, you know, it's just non-stop quality. Yeah, I would agree. It's an exciting action thriller, and I think it's. Um anchored by a superb performance by a reeled in Jackie yep. you know not yep. a, a very downplayed and subtle performance and a, a movie that stays stays true as much as possible to the story it wants to tell and doesn't let the commercial action elements courtesy of its star ruin the mood they're there but they're mm. not dominating at all and it's up there with Kirk Wong's best I mean I, I, I like Gunman more but I think it's up there with his best and a movie to show what Kirk Wong is capable of if you're uh, curious about him as a director and curious of how Jackie uh, is as an actor mm. um, you know if you if you disliked him in new police story like I did go back to this and see that he could downplay really well you know if they focus he never, on that. he never went back to this either this kind of it's kind of this... Shinju coincident partly I think yeah they, yes that's... yeah I'd say so Shinju a lot of myself is kind of a lot more I mean a little dead. I mean, Little Big Soldier, I think, was reeled in as well. Uh, but, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But he never just went back to this kind of... There's almost like a kind of... Um, just kind of a... Not a naivety. I, I can't quite describe the word. But he just, it just... It's very natural. It doesn't seem like he's trying. There is there is moments in it, kind of in later films, in uh, but there is just a lot of you know a lot of overacting. I mean, here's a here's a question, kind of the beginning of my notes, and you can have your theory about this if you will. I wonder if the reeled-in acting, and this is not subtle acting that only you know artsy fartsy guys like us notice. You know, it's very clear acting versus the melodramatic acting akin to New Police Story. I mean, I'm not shitting on it just to be funny i think that's an example of way over the top melodrama uh, i wonder if the real day acting is the more revolutionary and difficult choice to sell hong kong audiences you know what i mean because it may be melodrama yeah. is a safe bet and that's why jackie yeah. rarely went to that again and you got it on the money there man you got it on the money yeah, yeah. Was, yeah, I mean, I wonder, I wonder though, I, I'm not sh- I'm not cheating on the Hong Kong audiences. I'm thinking, though, maybe they're so affected by that melodramatic uh, intensity that that's uh, emotional stuff for them. It's, I mean? it's, it's, it's one, yeah, no, it's, it's, I completely agree. It's one of those things who, who people like friends or anyone that I've shown Hong Kong cinema to, um, dramatic, heavy stuff, the, as always said, um, it's so over the top. Like the acting is so over the top, I just I, I couldn't you know I couldn't quite get with the acting because it was so kind of just out there and and performed you know but performed kind of like to it to 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 a degree of kind of like you know over the top in in air quotations I, I say that but yeah I just think it's just one of those things I think us as fans obviously we 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 kind of get we get into it anyway and we either love it because of it or 
you know, people on the outside kind of see it as a detriment to it. You know, I don't think you know, Sky's or anyone like this, this probably sees it as a detriment. Mm. Um, but I think there is people who see it as a detriment to Hong Kong cinema is, is the kind of the, the melodramatic um, nature to it. But yeah, I, I think it just it just sells that kind of that that melodrama. Does it. And it's not saying all melodrama is bad or that kind exactly. of act is bad. It, it, it can definitely work. Um, you know, uh, melodrama. I think there's a quote, and I can't remember who who said it, but a quote about um, normal drama. Characters run the story. Melodrama. The uh, story runs the no, no, no. The, the uh, in in melodrama, the um, the story uh, dictates the drama, whereas uh, in normal drama, the characters dictate the drama. Mm. Yeah, so no, it's, that's, that's it's, quite fair. Yeah. It's you know it's it, it's it's that, and um, I think yeah, it's just it, it might be the most Hong Kong cinema that you know we see even the classic stuff is you know extremely melodramatic, and I think maybe this was, and it, it's it's strange because you say it was a success and it was a box office success. Yeah, yeah. Um, and saying that is odd, and and if you if it was just you know if it was kind of like no, it wasn't a success, that would make more sense to me. It's like yeah, it's because Jackie wasn't you know he gave a very subdued performance, but the fact mm-hmm. that it was a success as well. I sometimes wonder why he went, you know, to kind of that very extremely over the top style. And I think we said it before. Like I can get with nuclear story. Like I saw it in the in the theater. It was like my first Jackie Chan experience in the theater, and I fucking yeah. loved it. And and then you know I, I had that experience of kind of it was like my kind of my you know generation of of kind of seeing Jackie Chan do his thing in the cinema. Um, you know, it was just after kind of I wasn't there for kind of Rush Hour and stuff when it first. I was there when it came out, but I wasn't kind of into the camp when it first came out. So New Play Story when it kind of came out and it was in the cinema was just mind blowing to me. Um, but yeah, like looking back on it, I definitely you know you can just see a clear change in the in the acting. But your the- your theory is bang on, Ken. I think it just melodrama and just that kind of very pronounced way of drama is it sells to a Hong Kong audience, whereas subdued um, acting just does not. And um... Furthermore, you, you know, you ask yourself when you go into this movie, like, yeah, okay, you know it's going to be a dark movie, you heard it's going to be a dark movie, and Jackie Chan is in it, so what's the mix going to be? Is this going to be more a real movie with a little bit of Jackie Chan stuff in it? It's going to be a real movie with way out of place Jackie Chan stuff in it? It's a valid question, uh, but I, I think uh, uh, Jackie is allowed to do a little bit of his stuff, which is okay, uh, but Kirk Wong keeps him reeled in even for action. This is a movie where... There's a lot of uh, violence and stunts and what have you, but there's, uh, we don't get this kung fu cop here. You know, it's a character. Mm. You know, at times, yeah, he does kick, but what have you. But uh, for the majority of the time, even when uh, you know versus Ken Lo and Chung Fang, what have you, uh, you know, we don't get Jackie Chan style kung fu or anything, which is fantastic to see that the movie doesn't betray its a story. It stays true to mood and uh, logic. Mm. You know, action logic, if you will. And and uh, and uh, it feels more, if we want to be simple about it, thankfully it feels more Kirk Wong than Kirk Wong than Jackie Chan. I agree, I agree, because I think I think the, uh, the there's definitely a compromise between the styles because the chore- the choreography is there and it's brutal, but obviously the the, the fluidity and the pace that Jackie Nor- Jackie normally presents is not there. It's more kind of slowed down, kind of brutal. You know, almost like the, the you know the choreography is just not kind of very. It's not intense. It's not kind of like um, a little bit know. more reeled in police yeah, story style. Yeah, I'd, I'd say yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I'd say I'd say kind of like the the, the thought the thoughtfulness to it and the you know the prop work and thinking about how to do it is there, but it's definitely kind of pulled back. The extravagance and kind of like you know whirlwind kind of extravagance of Jackie's best fights is, is pulled back to a more 
kind of grounded um yeah to, as you said to fit in kind of just organically with with the drama but the, the, I, I don't know that you're saying that i do but i just do sometimes have a problem with that i sometimes feel like if it would if jackie because the fight for me in um where he's beating up the perp um mm-hmm. to what it does feel that feels indulgent yes and it feels like it kind of it, it, ta- it takes too long we're really i'm more concerned with how the story's going yes I, i'm just like you don't need that jackie like or, you know whoever decided to be that i was like it doesn't it, that's not necessary it's a good fight it's, it's fine but it just doesn't feel right whereas something like the um the raid on the uh, uh the kind of the criminals the guys all counting the money and the raid there Yes. That feels very kind of the, the story moves with it like Jackie moves with the story, you know, and from that we get a lot of drama where that leads to we get a massive drama there and a story kind of twist, which is which is great. But with that, yeah, there's there's just some moments here and now I do feel a bit indulgent and, and you know, shouldn't be there, but don't really fit, even though they're, they're good in amongst themselves and to the fabric of the film aren't quite necessary. Yeah, I, I, I thoroughly agree. I mean, uh, and but f- f- thankfully, you know, overall image uh, that you get from the film that it's not a forced image to see Jackie act and not do that action that you expect. You know, he's he adapts so well to that. You know, he, yeah. he he's so good at those quiet moments, those reaction moments, if if uh, if you will. And it's it's a different choice that I'm glad that he embraced that. And he's talked about wanting to be an actor, and I mean, here here was his chance. And he's taken that chance uh, uh, on a number of occasions. Uh, Little Big Soldier, I think, is his best movie in years. Uh, uh, yep. Barely any action in it, but he doesn't need it. I, I don't look for action in Jackie Chan movies anymore anyway, to be honest. He, he's wowed me now uh, that I've seen that he can act. Now I want to be wowed again and again. I mean, I, di- I was so-so on Karate Kid, but I liked Jackie's performance in it. It was very downplayed. Um, and uh, so, so I mean, and Shinjuku incident is half a good movie. The script kind of um, goes uh, a bit bonkers uh, at points. Uh, not due to Jackie. Uh, uh, I think it's more Daniel Wu's performance, for instance, and his character. Yeah, is, yeah of course. It kind of goes chaotic. But in Shinjuku incident, I, I got lost in the character, despite there's Jackie Chan, there's Jackie Chan. But after a while, I easily got lost in the character. So he's, he's got it, man. He's got it. And then, yeah. and then I, I was kind of sad. I, I mean... I shit on your police story, but I think it was, if I'm being honest with you, not being funny, I think I was kind of sad that they went that way. It's like, you all know better, but maybe it's Benny Chan who wasn't comfortable with it. I just think that you all know better, and it, this would have been such a cool little treat for both actor and action fans. But, you know, I, I, I've gotten my, you know, taste since then, you know, back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I was. And for instance, you know, the new uh, Police Story 2013, I'm not, I'm not gotten the grasp on it yet, but it's not a liked movie, and I'm not sure yet if people dislike it because there's no action in it and it's a cop thriller, and I'm dying to find out if uh, the same director as Little Big Soldier, Ding Sheng, actually uh, worked well with Jackie again. It's the only new movie I look forward to because I want to see if Jackie is good in it, and I don't care if there's an action scene or two in there or if there's zero. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard that there's just not a lot of action. It's strictly kind of drama, and the action is it. The action in it is that is in it is a bit wedged in, um, uh, rather than it being a bit kind of like, you know, natural to the film. It's a bit kind of like it's just there for people who are wanting to see Jackie. And and, and I don't blame people for wanting Jackie to kind of echo his action image mm-hmm. still, and it, that that's fine. But I love um, if uh, I would love to see this develop even more because Jackie, I mean, no two ways about it, is a in my mind, a terrific actor. We yeah. don't see it enough. 
No, it's true. It's true. And, and, it, and it's it's sad that, you know, because in some way he has kind of put himself into a corner now but because he's so good. It's like anything. You're so good at what you do. People keep – the demand's there. People want to keep seeing it. And when you try something different, it's – you know, people aren't really feeling it. People don't really want that because they want, you know, mm. what you're best known for. It's like everything, every art, music, yeah. just everything. It's just – it's like that. It's a, whenever something gets experimental, if you're known for a certain style – you're going to kind of be, you know, blasted by some people who just just want that certain style. Sure, and I I don't blame people for that. I I just wish that movies like Little Big Soldier were was a more popular movie, but it's yep. not an easier as easy sell as um, uh, the action that is in it is fantastic. Yeah, a mm. dream scene that uh, and uh, Jackie using uh, like rocks or uh, yeah, very... or some rope or so at some yeah, point. Yeah, it's thoughtful. It's thoughtful. It's good. It's now and it's it's. I think as I, as I said in my review about it, it's just very. It feels. It's just in tone with the rest of the film again, like 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 Crime Story does best as well. It doesn't feel kind of like it's going, it's overreaching the film. It's it's very kind of you know in line with with what the film's about, and it feels doesn't ever feel like oh now we have a fight scene. It just feels like mm. you know it, it just doesn't you don't you don't you don't switch on oh it's fight scene. It's just it moves moves with the film. Ken Cheng, talk about Ken Cheng. What do you think of Ken Cheng? Ken Cheng's good. Ken Cheng's good and, and really good in this film and his acting with Jackie is really good one of my favourite moments in the film is uh, um, something happens something's oh we're going to talk spoilers aren't we yes yeah so you know we anyway yeah people know from the beginning like that stupid saying that uh, you, you know from the beginning he's you know he's behind this, this case and he's there basically to kind of fuck up you know their progression on the case he kind of puts a few spanners in the work and obviously there's a fight scene where He's going to find out. Jackie's going to find. Jackie's going to find. Eddie Coe is going to find out. Um, uh, no, Eddie Eddie Coe. Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Chan. Eddie Chan. <laughs> Eddie Coe. Eddie Coe. Eddie Coe. Isn't it? Uh, Eddie Chan. Yeah, he's about to find out what you know. Kenshin's character is all about. Um, and Kenshin shuts the guy up who's going to you know, spill the beans basically. Um, and there's a shot where that guy dies. He's dead. He's gone. And it's just silent and. He's uh, Kenshin is like bathed in this kind of blue, this blue light. The cinematography looks looks beautiful, and he just lifts his, his face is kind of glistening with sweat, and he just looks up um, after he's done staring at the corpse. He just looks up, and then he just meets Jackie's eyes, and it's just like the intensity is just fucking. It just it's, it just speaks more than words could. It's just like wow, like, and they know like something's. They both know something, but they're unsure of whether the other person knows it or how far they're in it, and it's just a lot of questions that. That need to be, you know, the need to kind of be, the need to be said, um, a million and one questions, but you just, they need to be, they need, they, the answers need to be there, but you know, you don't get that, you get like the beginning of that, you get like, oh, this is where the film's going now, you get the kind of lead up, it's just that one moment, and it's just like this is all downhill from here, this, you know, something's got to be done now, so that's one of my favorite moments in the whole film and, and Ken Chang's a bit, you know, he's a big part of it. What, what, what makes the film so great? Cause he's just, he's just sleazy as well. Like, he's just like a sleazy guy, but his heart's in the right place as well. Cause I think he's some of his interactions with his, uh, with his kind of girlfriend is good. But I, again, I don't know whether that's, you know, whether he's just being a crafty fucker because he's quite crafty. The stuff with her buying her the house and stuff. Mm-hmm. I sort of think, is he being sweet or is he just a crafty fucker and he's just doing it because, you know, like the rest of the film, he's, he's just crafty. Like he wants he wants money. He wants to keep making plans. And I kind of think like, well, maybe he's just, you know, buying her out and buying his, you know, not buying his kind of freedom from, from prison because when, 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 you know, when Jackie's character finds out, that's, that's what it's going to be. So you yeah. don't know. It's complex I mean, character. I mean, it's good. It's a complex character. I mean, it's a great... Uh 
actor to have with Jackie there to kind of uh, elevate his game a little bit because uh, th- this is not Kentian's first terrific performance or anything. No. Uh, plenty of them in the 80s, uh, obviously known playing uh, Lamsai Wing in the first and uh, uh, maybe fourth or fifth Once Upon a Time in China mm-hmm. movie, uh, yeah. Butcher Wing. Uh, yep. f- mostly known as that to play that he's played it a number of times uh, the character of fat cat this uh, mentally uh, challenged uh, grown man he and uh, he did it in the movie why me that he also directed uh, but i i love kent Chang. it's a thrilling to see him command the screen with his literal heavy presence you know and a bad guy role i've, I've not seen him do many mm. bad guy roles and he looks absolutely uh, is well clothed which is uh, uh thanks to kirk wong picking uh some yeah. great suits for him you know uh he looks stylish you know sleazy and any and he gets to have a sex scene with christine um you know getting raunchy with christine um in an elevator at the Don't go wrong Don't go wrong um, you know it's uh and it's not a forced image for kent either to be uh mm. to to tackle on this bad guy that has uh dimensions to him to him as well yeah um, furthermore, Kirk gives the movie a chaotic, violent touch. You know, to be simple about it, it's more Ringo Lamb than John Woo, but Kirk obviously does his own thing. So, uh, uh, so, so it's that mixture of you having you have the Jackie Chan team here, but they're there to perform, you know, the stunts and the gunplay, and uh, there's no like uh, attention attention stunts here. You know, uh, no. they're well they're well injected, like in the beginning where Jackie almost gets squeezed between the bumpers of two cars. Uh, that's good, yeah. yeah that's the, the, we get Mars, the, the unrecognizable in his big glasses. But yeah, he's, it's uh, kind of cool to see the Jack Chan team like, uh, b- uh, shoot uh, automatic weapons, you know. <laughs> and, and, they look, <laughs> and they look like they bring the... You know, it's it's kind of badass. Uh, so I, 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 definitely, um, I definitely like that uh, the Jack Chan team gets to play around with this action as well, which is uh, great to have. Um, the character of Wong Yat-Fei is at... Um, super uh, sympathetic in this movie either he's this contra- construction you know boss or chief who's willing to cut corners to ignore the system uh, and not pay his workers um, on time or what have you um, mm. and I'll tell you do you remember the, um, I don't know if you made this connection but I think uh, they got a good look alike so to say in uh, Law Guying uh, because he looks pretty much like Teddy Wang based on mm. the pic- pictures in the documentary he looks very yeah. very eerily like him yeah, they do. They, they do a good job, and I do like that his character's not quite, um, you know, Mr. Perfect. Not quite, um, you know, we're rooting for this guy. I like the fact it's a bit murky because of his situation with, uh, you know, not paying the construction worker. We're led to believe he's not properly paying the construction workers, and he's and he's kind of cutting corners with with his job and stuff. So I like the fact it's a bit it's a bit murky. It's not quite kind of clean cut as this guy is kind of a you know good guy. It's kind of a bit you know and I do and I'm as well like the fact that um, uh, Ken Chang he's just revealed at the very beginning to not be who he says he is when normally it's kind of down to the viewer to kind of find out with Jackie or yeah. you know but that's mostly kind of how you know you know dramatic kind of devices are used but with that it's good. I love the fact that it's straight from the beginning you know this guy's intentions it's good just kind of like you know seeing seeing it kind of behind like you got you know like a back view rather than kind of in jackie's boots and and find out what's going on you kind of you you know exactly what's what's going on so but yeah definitely yeah, definitely a good job of uh, the casting all around it's just yeah very good job very good job uh 
uh, just a minor point uh, because there's some uh, pretty uh, honed and uh, real looking uh, car stunts here which uh, obviously mm. expectedly is handled by Bruce Law and uh, he actually Kirk reveals that uh, Kirk didn't drive at this point he didn't have a driver's license and Bruce Bruce Law gave Kirk his first driving lesson oh, wow wow wow, <laughs> so wow. It's like this uh, <laughs> madman yeah. but obviously a great uh, great uh, stunt coordinator amazing <laughs> let's <Amazing>. drive <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and he does have a driver's license now, so it worked out. So. It didn't scare him. Because <laughs> he didn't like just like, you know go through the uh, go through a shot, smash into another car, and you know get the car flip around and burst on fire and none of that. So welcome <laughs> to driving. <laughs> I was gonna say. Um, uh, and and again back to Jackie, it's it's great too that this is not the invincible super cop. You know he's he's fucks up a lot. You know a lot of people yeah. dies and. Uh, uh, you know, even moments like, I mean, it's not, it, it works for me. It kind of goes along that feed that I just mentioned that when he's uh, pursuing uh, the bad guys after the kidnapping and when he constantly has the blood in his eyes and needs to uh, uh, have uh, take the water bottle and rinse out yeah, his yeah. eye, that, that's kind of like this. I love that moment because this is not an invincible hero. You know, he's uh, not on top of it. He's not like pursuing them and doing like fucking Jason Statham like uh, car stunts here and getting no. it done. Uh, and even late in the game, it looks like all will be lost. You know. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's so he doesn't know. You know, like a very human thing. He doesn't remember his number on the the phone to the when he's trying to report the crime. You know, so he, he, twice he, he calls up and uh, they need his number and stuff, and he's in a rush and he can't quite do it. So he's not the kind of on on it kind of on the situation. Yeah, my numbers. This is what's going to happen. He's very like he doesn't quite know, you know, what he's doing. And um, I, I just do love seeing when he puts his car back on the road. So it's just very kind of like uh, that whole that whole that whole scene is just it's just it's just great. It's very it's it's heroic, but without being too you know over the top, without being kind of spectacular. It's very kind of everyday normal man you know heroic and what he does as well uh is good and i think the, the best the best probably the best uh moment of his acting is probably this hospital scene shortly yes. after that when he's you know and he ends up fainting it's just really it's just really, it's just really good like it's, it's not he's not crying over the top or anything he's just he's just kind of desperate to find out what's happened to these to these uh to these guys but um yeah, yeah. he's kind of he's got his adrenaline going in, but he's absolutely yeah. exhausted. And uh, yeah. and and when he like has to face the fact that uh, the um, motor uh, motorbike cop actually actually has died, and he has to witness that, Jackie does it like <laughs> he just he's absolutely devastated, but he just reacts uh, yeah. quietly, you know. And uh, I love uh, it shows that uh, man, he has an actor breaking through. And yeah. we're watching we're watching a character, not this uh, goofy action star trying to do acting. You know, it's not so cute or anything. It's like uh, very honed, uh, which yeah. uh, uh, which uh, runs throughout the movie. You know, it's got a drive to it as a police thriller. You know, that whole stakeout scene where they're monitoring the bank transactions, yeah, the cutting the back and forth. Like the cutting back and forth, you see Ken Cheng's reactions throughout all this because he obviously knows that oh oh it's going to shit. You know, what can I do to kind of um, stop it you know and uh, yeah. not reveal uh, reveal that, uh, that that is me <laughs> behind all this <laughs> yep. uh, so that double role is uh, you know down to a terrific actor also knowing quiet reactions very well uh, which is uh, obviously Kent Cheng um, 
Yeah, the script, the script's just bad. The script's just there's nothing. It's just it's a great. It's, I think it's probably one of the one of the best just, just scripts from Hong Kong cinema. Just because because of the fact it's just so it just it just moves. It just goes. It's never kind of a goofy goofy diversions. It just kind of moves and it just you know twists and it just goes for it. It's just yeah, really really good. Really good yeah, yeah, it's really Kirk Wong steering this. I mean, he even said that uh, he definitely didn't went off, uh, go off set when uh, the Jackie Chan stunt team came in. I mean, no. he he was there. He wanted it to look uh, good for his movie, you know, and uh, yeah. that, uh, you know, not all do it like Wong Jing did during City Hunter. That he's, uh, you know, you do your thing and I'll write some jokes in the corner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's good. And I mean, you know, uh, Kirk comes out of it smelling like roses as well because it's, it's 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 just I think it's just to this point it's slickest and it's best looking film. Um, yes. I mean, arguably, arguably today I don't you know I don't reel my hand too early because we've got we've still got a few films to go. But yeah, I mean to, to this point it just it just looks looks beautiful. It just looks slick. You know, look used to just kind of uh, just colours and and it just it just looks bright and it just feels good. It feel it's it's a very spacey film. It feels very kind of um, you know a lot of space a lot. Where you know, yeah, his films are quite you know, like like the club or something, which is quite tight and quite enclosed places, and especially you know, taking my hand, there's there's points like that as well, which is good also. But with this film, it's very just spacious, but it feels very kind of you know, it can breathe like it lets this kind of cinematography just just breathe. It kind of it pulls out sometimes, and just a lot of things going on, a lot of kind of space, and it, it seems like mo- little, little moments here and there about what certain characters are doing, um, you know, everything's kind of, everything's thought of, it's not just, you know, and it, and it doesn't say he's a hacker, <laughs> like he's, always, he's always directs extremely well, but with this, it feels like he really kind of went above and beyond, like his his past directorial stuff, like he really kind of went for it with this one, it's it's good, it's good, I suppose the budget helped a lot, because we've got, I think it's probably his biggest budget to, to play with yet, I'm guessing. Yeah, it looks like it. At this point, yeah. So you think of it as an action movie, but really I think of it as, again, an acting movie where the versus in this movie is Jackie versus Kent, obviously, and the latter half of the movie, as you described, has those great moments where Jackie knows a whole lot but can't reveal his card to anyone officially because yeah. he doesn't know fully, and has to, that's his main opponent in this movie, although he does square off against you know Ken Lo and Chung Fat later in the movie. So I, yeah. I love that the movie... You know, even after Jackie does the impossible fucking uh, slide through the, the bamboo scaffolding stunt, you don't get taken out yeah. of the movie. <laughs> it's like, uh, you oh, know, no, no. It's that like that, uh, almost like this rush hour thing where he slides under the uh, tiller's uh, little um, thing there in the casino or whatever. That, that impossible, like, uh, space to slide through. Jackie just does, you know, and I, you know, it brings attention to itself, yeah, but I, I love to have it in crime story. I, I do enjoy those kind of moments, the, those impossible moments. And uh, really, I mean, I, I'm, you, you, I don't want to talk much fight action because uh, I, I think I have, and I think it's, uh, everybody knows it's solid. So you're welcome to do so. But I want to talk about a little bit about um, the, uh, well, 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 first of all, the, the boat set that um, Jackie mm. and Ken Chen kind of square off in and uh, uh, that labyrinth of uh, danger almost, uh, that set burned down and uh, before mm. they were done shooting it. Uh, so they had to rebuild part of it. Uh, it, was, it was fun. Uh, Kirk was telling the story like, I was going to in the, in a taxi to set one day and there was a fire truck speeding <laughs> past us. Like, yeah, they can go. They can go past. Obviously, we need to let them go. And then like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's our set, isn't it? Oh no! 
And it oh. actually had burned down. He thought like someone made, might have left a, left a light on that actually, and that that sparked. And uh, that that um, they built a set next to Jack Chan's office apparently. So it uh, it's um, was not um, in a major studio or anything, but uh, it did burn down that. So they they rebuilt it and re- and uh, finished the the scene, including when Jackie escapes um, uh, through the hatch and what have you. Yeah, um, but the that's phenomenon- a, great, a great scene as well. That is that that, that no, the way he kind of he figure out where to go and where to you know where to come out. And the the set itself, yeah, it's, it's it's great. Like it makes for such kind of drama with all the kind of the, the hanging chains and the uh, yeah. just the, just the kind of like the odd kind of pipes and stuff like that. It's just it's great. Like really 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 good, really good. And that like that last that oh, I, was, I know you you say about speak about speak about the finale. I'd say that last half an hour from that point. Um, where Jackie kind of thinks he's found out um, f- until the final moments. It's just a whirlwind. Like the whole film is pacey, but that is just kind of a, you know action scene on top of kind of action scene, and then culminates yeah in the, in the finale. And uh, that finale, that whole uh, hard boiled esque finale, almost in terms of fire action. Was, fire, um, fire, fire. Partially shot uh, during the demolition of the walled city in Kowloon City. And mm. uh, partially uh, shot um, uh, by by the crew themselves and their own controlled uh, and controlled uh, pyrotechnics, but they they did get some production value by shooting at uh, the actual demolition. Mm. It, it is pretty seamless, actually. Uh, you you yeah. don't notice like the film stock changes to something like more documentary or anything. Uh, <laughs> and the, and the kid in there looks to be in peril too, or it's well acted mm. because fire flashes. By by the kid close to him, but Kirk said that no one was hurt and he wasn't put in peril. It's uh, very controlled. Uh, mm. So um, uh, I really liked the ending. And again, we talked of um, the the fact that they tacked on this sequence at the mainland border where Wong Yat is back without explanation after falling into the water, dropped into the water, which is not a bad, uh, good way to end the movie. And it's not like they didn't know and had to come up mm. with their own theory. It was pretty known. Uh, the theory, anyway, that he probably died at sea. But uh, as Kirk explained, Nina Wang essentially said that you have to do this ending instead. And and she had and, a legal right to do so. so. Yep. And obviously wasn't, you know, wasn't declared legally dead till, what, so five, six years later. So it's almost like it's, if it, they had, you know, they had to do it. And if, if she was, um, if she was, she was there and she had the legal right to do it. Yeah. So it, 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 I do find it interesting. I would like to, you know, more about that. Like how, like, you know, was she behind, you know, was she on the set or was she, you know, did she find out about the script or how was it, you know, it done? Cause it's like they, she essentially maybe mid or close to end of the production kind of got wind of it and came to the studio and said like, Hey, do it this way otherwise essentially you could say like well you're not doing it at all then mm. uh, where's where's my dance number as well <laughs> <laughs> uh, so thankfully she didn't go that far and overindulged if you will but uh, she, 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 she didn't uh, want to let uh, let that teddy go if you will so um uh, kind of sad is... but it doesn't work for the movie yeah i know yeah which is you know it's uh, we can't be too harsh on it because of that reason um, so uh, really, that, that's the end of my notes. Want to mention anything else in terms of action beats or what have you, whatever? No, man. I, I think uh, yeah, I've already said it's a crime story. It's 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 front to back great. Um, really, I've got not a lot of massive problems with it. Uh, you know, apart from just a few things with the action getting a bit indulgent and the ending. Other than that, it's 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 great, great, great Hong Kong, Hong Kong cinema. 
Uh, some minor notes I do have, like yeah, they weren't part of my main notes, but very minor notes. Uh, I saw this movie dubbed. Uh, there is actually two dubs. Oh yeah, one, I watched um, it as well. Uh, one old and one new, which is strange because the uh, the movie was uncut internationally. They had an uncut dub for it. Uh, mm. The old one, um, that was on UK VHS and what have you uh, back in the day. Very good. Uh, well-picked performers and performances. It was not. It was actually above average performed for a Hong Kong dub. Mm, yeah, I don't. I don't think I quite like Jackie's voice, but I like uh, the guy they got to do uh, to do Kent. Like to do Kent, like he's he's bang on. Mm. Yeah, Jackie's a bit kind of weedy sometimes. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, just yeah, certain, just, <laughs> just, yeah, just, uh, just certain moments felt like, oh, that's a bit, you know. But yeah, I mean, it's probably one of the best dubs. I thought I'd go with that because I think I hadn't seen, I hadn't heard them since watching it on the video, so I thought I'd, I'd roll with the dub, and it's, it's pretty good. It is. Um... There's actual, uh, in the subtitles probably on a lot of versions, there are these uh, notes, geographical establishing uh, uh, subtitles where they are and stuff like that. Those actual like hospital or station or Taiwan, you know, establishing shots like that, those were on the prints originally, but uh, the Star TV transfers since. Uh, remove them so they have mm. the, the subtitles instead for some versions or maybe all, all versions mm. uh, which, which is uh, just a minor note but uh, we, thankfully we have them somehow you know rather than yeah. gone all together and the trailer is awesome it features this uh, either staged documentary footage or actual uh, documentary footage of uh, uh, people being interviewed about the case and then being blurred out, obviously, uh, having blurred out faces uh, for like oh, half I've seen that, yeah, 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 very unique. And uh, then it cuts to mostly movie footage after that, but uh, that was a good um, direction for the trailer. I, I like that. Mm. Uh, there are some Mandarin dub deleted scenes featuring Jackie and Singapore actress Poon Ling Ling, who plays his psychiatrist. And uh, these are on DVD now as extras. They were originally, like way before the DVDs and what have you, they were only on a Thai VHS release of the movie. Mm. And they, they are kind of crap scenes, actually. I'm glad they're cut. Yeah, they don't really were. And I, I do I do like the fact that, that the subplot with her just dropped after after two scenes because I just don't think it's necessary to plot at all. I mean, um, why they don't work is because they're not in tune with the movie. And what they essentially are, there are more scenes with Jackie and her one at a club where James Wong is playing a song and she plays the clarinet, and uh, one is at a tennis court where uh, where he mid-case kind of goes to her and uh, he kisses her at one point, and one is the very end where they're, they're apparently going on a date because he's bought her a new tennis racket and he sings into the tennis racket. It's like, no. And I'm thinking, these were not part of the Taiwanese version, actually, despite being Mandarin dubbed. I think maybe for other local versions, maybe for Singapore, uh, mm. to promote her. Uh, but they don't work. Yeah, well. yeah, that's, that's probably, that, that does make sense, yeah. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have minded the whole supply with the cut out completely, those those earlier scenes as well. I just don't. Yeah. I mean, you, feel like, you feel like it's sometimes, it might kind of go into, because when the hospital scene, she's kind of, there and he's kind of like having a bit of an argument with you. You think it might have, yeah, kind of they had a bit of an argument out of Tiff and they might kind of resolve it and get together. But it's just dropped like after that. And I'm glad because it's just you don't you don't even think about those scenes again. Yeah, 
Which I when you're before, watching uh, as a concept that he, he needs to talk to a psychiatrist and he says like I'm fine I'm fine I don't think about it and he does think about the kind mm. of stuff that has happened to him before like the big chase that opens the film is yeah. a flashback to an earlier case where shit went wrong uh, so that's good but it's, it is dropped and it's it's um, it's better for it uh, the Taiwanese version uh, otherwise uh, you know it's the same other than the fact that the sex scene between Ken Cheng and Kristen mm, is cut from it mm. because it can't be in there Sensors, so he can't be in there. No, <laughs> no <laughs> Ken Cheng is out completely. We don't like him in Taiwan, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it's uh, for sensor purposes. So, uh, but right, if there's no other notes, let's do availability. And uh, there's no problem owning this, it wasn't back then, it isn't now. Uh, the remastered Joy Sales release in Hong Kong is still available on DVD and uh, with extras and what have you there's also a cam and ronson blu-ray uh, i can't comment on the quality of it but again uh, based on cam and ronson's uh, track record i doubt it's a new really good ht transfer but uh, i'm sure it'll look okay but it's good to have both disc options and i'm not sure even cameron ronson has the extra extras from the joy sales release including the uh, deleted scenes uh, mm. So pick, uh, pick and choose there. The special edition by Dragon Dynasty uh, over in the US uh, in Region 1 territory featuring a Kirk Wong and Bay Logan audio commentary, interview with Kirk Wong, deleted scenes. That is seemingly out of print, unfortunately. And your stateside option is now a Shout Factory double bill Blu-ray of uh, Crime Story and The Protector. Uh, I can't comment on that quality either, but I heard rumblings that it's not from, you know, spiffy new HD transfers either, but mm. uh, maybe decent DVD upscales, if you will. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, but, but it's very cheap considering you get two versions of The Protector, the Jack Chan yeah. cut, and there's also deleted scenes from Crime Story and seemingly the Kirk Wong interview has been ported as well, but not the uh, commentary. You can't go wrong there, I think, with, with that. Even if it, yeah. even if the transfers are not great, I don't think you can go wrong with, with that release. And, uh, me and that's yeah, snap, snap it up. Because the protectors one as, as well. I, I saw it recently, finally, and I was kind of like, uh, yeah, I, I, I wish the protector was more of the Mad Max movie that it promised to be in the beginning of the movie. You know, that whole, yeah, whole yeah, post-apocalyptic yeah. movie. Like, whoa, this is great, but then it turned into more routine, but still fun, so... Uh, so and, uh, and and you get obviously some classic uh, Jackie Chan, not not suited well for Jackie Chan moments, but uh, it's good fun. <laughs> uh, so next time it's the Kirk Wong finale, as this short filmography can be dealt with uh, quickly, and we therefore will discuss cops and robbers actioners from 1994 from Kirk Wong in the form of organized crime and trial bureau with Danny Lee and Anthony Wong squaring off as well as rock and roll cop with Anthony Wong's Hong Kong cop chasing baddies in the mainland uh, alongside its alongside its police force and then that's it but we have promised to talk the big hit Kirk Wong's US action movie starring Marky Mark uh, but whether that will be a real episode or a bonus episode, I haven't really decided yet. But uh, I didn't want to neglect it because I like the big hit. And we can't lots. leave it out. We can't leave it out. Feel it, feel it. I do feel it. <laughs> uh, but uh, we'll see. You know, so it's, it's one of those um, successful US ventures in my mind because it was like, bring in someone to do a John Woo movie. Well, here we got this Kirk Wong. Bring him in. And he did. But did it really well, and it was fun and silly, and uh, I liked it. 
Yeah, Shame it didn't beat him more, but uh, there you go. Because I think it was a fairly successful movie. Actually. Yeah, I think it was when it came out. Yeah, sure it was. Yeah, I think it, it's one of those um, ones that's just kind of like cult, kind of not a cult movie, but on uh, I think it's just big on video and DVD. Yeah, it seems like, and they, they, it is represented on Blu-ray as well, and there, there's a Kirk Wong yeah. commentary on it as well. So. I can't wait. There's a, there's a UK blue, yeah. I, I still haven't snapped to open. I'm leaving it just for our show, Kenny. I've been being a good boy. I haven't touched into it yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. It's not my demand to, like, you don't buy the movies. Yeah, it was. Oh. Keep it in the cellophane. Do not fucking it. <laughs> Maybe subconsciously for you, but, uh, you know, I'm cool with whatever. <laughs> uh, just as long as you watch the right movies for the show, then that's good. I would be all right. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but all right, let's wrap up the Director Series 12. This has been uh, the Director Series, indeed. Podcastonfire.com is where we are located, along with the other shows and bonus episodes. Email podcastonfire at googlemail.com. Facebook, like us, facebook.com forward slash POF network. Join the discussion group. Type in Podcast on Fire Network in the Facebook search bar to reach us. Tweet us, twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. My writing, so good reviews.com. My video reviewing, sleazykvideo.com. And my tweet, Tweets. Twitter. I've done more than one tweet, actually. <laughs> Twitter.com forward slash so good reviews. And man, was it a full tweet. I said said what I needed well to done. say. Well done. Uh, <laughs> subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you like us, please leave a star rating and a small written comment. That would very much be appreciated. And if you don't like filling your device with podcasts, uh, you can stream us via Stitcher Radio. Do that online, but the application is the most smoothest way to do so. And download it to your iPhone, iPad, or Android. And once you're in, type in the director series to search for us. And if you like us, add us to your favorites. And check out Tom's uh, reviews at vcinemashow.com, including Little Big Soldier. So Nice, nice, nice callback. I, uh, I like what you did there. Good yes. work. Good work. I've been a podcast for many years. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> really? I t- tell myself that anyway. <laughs> is, this, is this let's talk some fucking valid thing to do on podcast? Is it? I don't know. Uh, you question uh, yourself. Yes. <laughs> Are we talking fucking anymore? <laughs> uh, but anyway, this has been uh, the director series 12 on Taking Manhattan and Crime Story. Thank you very much for listening. I am Kenny B. And with me was my good buddy, Tom KW. Thank you, guys.